speaking of that, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, 1993. Like the uh, second it, final Friday, kind of. Uh, it's the second final Friday and still not the not final, the final Friday. Friday. <laughs> and the reason it doesn't have Friday the 13th Part 9 in the title is because New Line didn't buy the rights to that. Uh, that <gasps> oh, was actually, shit. That was actually caught up in some litigation, and so every movie after this is some Jason movie okay, and so not a Friday. Yes, we are now into the Jason movies. Yes. Uh, tagline, Jason goes to hell and he's not coming back. Lies. Fucking lies. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Adam Marcus. Written by Jay uh, Hughley and Adam Marcus. Uh, Dean Laurie and Jay Hughley did the screenplay. Jesus. Um, uh, music by Harry Manfredini. The, you know, at least the music's consistent across yeah. most of this series. Uh, budget of $3 million, It made 15.9. So right off the bat, it was still making money for, you know, yeah. uh, New Line. Principal players, we have Carrie Keegan playing Jessica Kimball, who is uh, the niece of Jason and the final girl in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, John D. LeMay plays Stephen Freeman, Jessica's ex uh, and the father to baby Stephanie. Baby daddy. Uh, uh, baby daddy. Uh, he was in Friday the 13th, the series, and he was supposed to be Tommy Jarvis. That character was supposed to be Tommy. No way. I, I wouldn't have bought it. Uh, it it was supposed to be Tommy Jarvis, and the reason they didn't use that name for the character is because they didn't buy the rights to Tommy Jarvis when they bought the series. <gasps> you dumb mother! So would they? Okay, so they would have had to pay more money <laughs> to go and use Tommy because they didn't buy the license for him. How much more money would they have to? I want okay. Not that we have these answers, but like, how much more would you have needed? I mean, clearly they didn't need the Friday the 13th. They clearly did not need that because... No, people knew Jason. Yes. They were like, and at this point, people were calling them the Jason movies anyway, so it was fine for New Line not to have the Friday in the title. The um, number one character in the video game, but the game is called Friday the 13th, the video game, um, but the number one character is Tommy Jarvis. So you're telling me the creators of the video game bought the rights, but not... New Line, or is this New Line? Uh, new Line, yes. Okay, pop off. <laughs> and and uh, the best uh, fan films that have ever been made uh, in a continuation of, a, of any of these series, I would argue, are the Never Hike Alone movies, and because they're very well filmed, very well made, and Tommy Jarvis, the Tommy Jarvis from Part 6, is in those. Yeah. Noah said those and, are really good. They are really good. Uh, if you want a continuation of the series, I would recommend you and you know something different to watch for you know this Friday the thirteenth uh, for Halloween. I would recommend uh, going and watching those uh, you know fan films on like YouTube because they are worth watching. So, what on the Never Hike Alone series? I know this is totally it's not completely off topic, but like, were there was there a budget for those? Was it just the super low budget they obviously had to buy get some rights no they don't have to buy rights because they are not making it for a profit so okay. as long as they don't sell it for that or that reason they can get by with it i think and you think they're making zero money off of this they're making absolutely if, if it's like all other fan films they make absolutely nothing off of it and they put it and that's how they get by with making it because the minute they make a, a dime off of it the 
principal company that owns the rights can come in and claim everything that they get. That's wild because I've heard nothing but amazing <laughs> things about it. Uh, it's, it is filmed on a lower budget. You can tell that when you're, but the way that they do the, the filming of it and uh -huh. the way that they portray the scenes, it builds tension. It's, it's done on, you know, it, it looks good. You can tell by the lighting, like we always say that it's not like a, a film film, but like it, they do well enough to where you can kind of get over that. Holy crap. I mean, like it, basically they're in the, like the 98% of viewers like this on Google, uh, seven out of ten, IMDb, four point five out of five, uh, for a horror geek website. Holy shit! Yeah, I watched the first one, uh, and I think they're up to maybe like part three now. But like, I watched the first one, and it was really well done. And when Tommy sh shows up at the end as a paramedic to save like the final survivor in the movie. It, it, especially for somebody whose favorite film is part six, I got to say, yeah, I was like, I was, I was happy that I was like, fuck yeah. They, they know the, the right way this series should have went. So these actors basically did this as a charity. Uh, they probably got paid. Uh, the fan okay. films do the fan films raise money like okay. on Kickstarter and oh, stuff, got but, it. Just, okay. but just to pay for the, the celebrities to show up. Wow. Basically. Okay. Wild. <laughs> Uh, Brooke Shearer plays, uh, or Shearer, uh, plays Stephanie Kimball, Jessica's daughter, just a little baby being, you know, handled throughout the movie, doesn't contribute anything else. One of the best child actors, honestly, in most films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kane Hodder, of course, is back as Jason Voorhees, this time the body swapping slasher. Yes, um, and I do like how they worked it out, because I was mad, mad he was not in majority of the film. <laughs> Uh, there is, he's actually in the film one extra way. Did you catch it? What? I'll be he's, saying. he's, he's one of the guards that's outside of the morgue whenever, uh, Jason wakes up or, or well, not Jason, but the, the coroner, uh, bites into his heart. One of those guards is Kane or is Kane Shut Hodder. Shut the fuck like, up. I didn't notice. Makeup. I didn't notice. And I, and he was one of the guards making fun of the nerdier, Fucking, yes. oh my yes. God, Raina, get it together. <laughs> uh, and it's a much younger Kane Hodder, too. It's kind of wild seeing him. I mean, because if you watch the Victor Crowley movies, I mean, that's Kane Hodder basically now, maybe with a little, slightly less wrinkles because it's been like 10 plus years. But like this movie, it's a significantly younger Kane Hodder that's in that. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Dean Laurie uh, plays Eric Pope, the assistant coroner, uh, and he's the writer and producer of several t TV shows and the one that wrote the screenplay for the movie. So he got a little role in his own movie. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Atwood plays Alexis Peterson, who's a blonde camper uh, who is hitting on pseudo Tommy Jarvis pretty heavy. And uh, if I want to, I'm going to go ahead and say that's the dumbest moment in the movie. Like she was, uh, he could have easily got some off her. I don't know. I know he was so worried about Jason and everything and that's fine, but come on. She was basically throwing herself into his lap. I yeah. Mean, you know, um, Michelle Clooney play and not, not the same Clooney's. It's yeah. spelled differently as the, the big Hollywood ones, but, um, plays Deborah Caldwell. Who's the brunette camper and definitely gets the best hits in this movie <laughs> because they are pretty nice. Um, uh, Michael B. Silver plays Luke McCabe, who's the male camper, who's getting lucky with her, right, and and decides not to use a condom, and that's why he dies. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that's the Diana, safe sex. Diana, 
<laughs> safe sex. Uh, the the actual the director said that uh, Adam Marcus he said that this whole scene with the campers, uh, New Line made him put in the movie because he wasn't going to have the camp involved in this at all. Okay. And uh, and <clears> whenever <throat> they told him that it's like they want they wanted a scene with some campers having sex and then killed, he said, "I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do it the way you want." He said, "I'm going to make it a point." that they're doing unsafe sex yeah. because he said, I don't like the, the, I don't like how these movies promote that. If you just have sex in general, it's going to, it's going to be the death of you. It should be unsafe sex. Is the okay. Death of you, that you makes know. sense. Uh, let's see. Uh, I already uh, covered the campers. Diana Georgia plays Edna Kurzman. Who's the wife, the deputy Josh, uh, Richard Grant plays Phil Hant, Hant, uh, the, who's the coroner. Uh, Aaron Gray plays Diana Kimball, who's Jason's half-sister. Uh, weird flex on the lore, but we'll get to that. Okay. Andrew Block plays Deputy Josh Kurtzman. Uh, Madeline Curtis plays Officer Ryan. Mark Thompson plays Officer Mark. Brian Phelps plays Officer Brian. Uh, a lot of people die in this movie, folks. Adam Craner plays Ward B, who works at uh, his family's diner. He's the kid with a super mullet or whatever he's oh, got yeah. going on. <clears throat> Leslie Jordan, the great le- late uh, Leslie Jordan, R.I.P., uh, plays Shelby B., who's a fry cook at his wife's restaurant. Uh, he was in American Horror Story. Uh, he was in an episode of Supernatural. It's the voice of Yorkie. Uh, Madhouse, 2004, and Demonic Toys, uh, Personal Demons. Wow. Uh, uh, I just uh, There's something about Leslie Jordan that just always brought a smile to my face whenever, I mean, anything he did. I mean, yes... You know, uh, he's very, you know, out there and, the, you know, his personality. But, yeah. like, you know, he seemed to be a pretty nice guy. Uh, Rusty uh, Shimmer plays Joey B., the owner of the diner, and very butch for a, for a woman. Very butch. Uh, Allison Smith plays Vicki Sanders, the redhead girlfriend of David. Uh, Stephen Colt plays Robert Campbell. Uh, Billy Greenbush plays Ed Landis, who's the sheriff. Kip Marcus plays Randy Parker, uh, one of the officers, uh, and the one that uh, is always uh, fighting with uh, the Tommy Jarvis stand-in for most of the movie uh, and trying to help him out at times. And then, of course, the great Stephen Williams is playing Creighton Duke, the bounty hunter. And if you know anything about supernatural he is rufus yes i was wondering so i <laughs> knew i'd seen him before i did not research him i'm glad i didn't because it's nice to find out here on the show i did not know, i didn't remember he was rufus on supernatural but he was a big deal on supernatural in multiple seasons yes he was uh he's also in the 2017 it uh in the movie the call he was in the x files and 21 jump street so he you know had quite a career but yeah uh, I always remember Rufus. He's one of the bigger characters on Supernatural. Even he was only in six episodes. Can you believe that? That's like, wild. It, I don't. I didn't even think he was in that many episodes, but I knew he was impactful every time. Yeah, it's uh, that says a lot about him that he stands out so much that like I mean, amongst all the episodes, and there's like. 300 plus episodes of the show at this point uh or you know when it finally ended 327 he, he, and he was in six of them and he's yeah. like the, one of the biggest characters in the show yeah synopsis after years of standing on the sidelines and watching jason Voorhees murder mass amounts of people the fbi finally gets its fucking act together and sets up a trap to eliminate the undead slasher 
A bounty hunter has been tracking Jason for years for an unknown personal agenda, knows that this won't end Jason's reign of terror because it doesn't follow the rules, in quotation marks, and decides to intervene in the sleepy community of Crystal Lake. Meanwhile, Jason body hops through various victims by way of a demonic worm in order to be reborn into the body of a Voorhees. Cops and coroners are carving up the townsfolk, some horny campers find out it's too soon to be celebrating Jason's death, and Creighton Duke has a weird obsession with guys' hands. Uh, horror has many faces. Death wears many different masks, but pure evil wears only one, and this is your final chance to see it. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that is a tagline, and yeah. first of all, it's way too long. Yes. And secondly, it's another lie. It, why Why are you always lying to us? Just don't lie. Can't we have a good, healthy relationship where you're like, hey, guys, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but here's to the future, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, anyways, uh, body count is a respectable 24 in this movie. I love it. So, pretty good. Uh, we have uh, Jason Voorhees, the original, the OG, who somehow has reformed after turning into his childlike form in New York sewers. That never happened. She imagined that. <laughs> uh, there's actually a comic that that gives like, and I and I tried to look up to see what the comic story was about, but I couldn't really find anything. But there is a comic that ties the events of Part Eight to this movie, okay. and it tells how he reformed into the Jason that he is and made his way all the way back to Crystal Lake and and along the way killed so many people that that the FBI had to get involved. So that's how that's why they set up the trap for him at the beginning of this. Um before you continue with the body count, and that's kind of cool about the comic book, honestly. But can we just have a moment to appreciate the sexy fucking agent that got him caught? Oh yeah. She yeah. had a fucking body. They used a fucking woman as bait to pull Jason out. And boy, did she pull more than Jason out. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of men pulled something else out as well. She she was a hottie. That is for sure. And I want to give credit to the director. Those scenes are filmed very well. I mean, the tension that's built into them. I mean, it feels like you're watching a classic, you know, Friday the 13th movie, like all in one, like little, compartmentalized section it made so much sense to because i don't know about you but when i was first watching it because this is my first time watching it for this round and i'm watching i'm like why is this woman by herself at fucking camp crystal lake (laughs) why what are you doing and i'm like and then she's out in the shack looking for light bulbs and and weird shit is happening i'm like what's to gain and I, and I like the fact that she's legitimately scared because she knows that if he catches her outside that trap they got set up, she's dead. Oh, like, yeah. She's straight up dead. And then, by the way, she does do a fucking flip in a towel. I mean, you don't really see anything, but you do get to see her butt, her really nice butt. She has got an amazing shape. But I was like, what the hell? She fucking Did she just flip over right here? <laughs> yeah. What is this? And then I was like, then you see it's a whole sting operation. And you're like, oh, that's what she was doing. She almost fucking died. He threw her down the fucking stairs. Credit to Adam Marcus. I mean, you can tell when the guy talks, like in behind the scenes, even though he catches the most shit for this movie, and we'll get into the why, it's understandable why he caught yeah. shit. But he is a true horror fan. And when you hear him talking, you can hear that. And he really did like the idea. I mean, he he's he was a fan of these movies, but I got to agree with him. He's like, 
it never made any sense to him that Jason could be killing this many people and that nobody outside the locals yes. tried to do anything to stop it. You know, that's the reason he brought the FBI in. He was like, at some point, they would have to get involved. Yeah. And I'm like, you're right. That's smart, you know. Um. Anyways, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Uh, assistant coroner, uh, well, Jason's blown to bits. He's shot a bunch of times, and they blow him up, uh, which makes sense as far as how you get rid of him too i mean yeah. you know at least one way you can get rid of him if you're not tying him to the bottom of the lake again uh assistant coroner uh, has his face smashed and stabbed in the back of the head that is by the actual coroner who is now possessed by the spirit of jason Voorhees. because the heart uh, enticed him to eat it well now according to the things i've read it's not the heart that something about Jason's evil spirit compelled him to eat the heart. Blech. So it's, but it's it, on screen. It looks like he just feels like he's compelled yeah. to eat the heart. So it's lost in translation. Uh, FBI agent number one's killed off screen. Agent two's killed off screen. Alexis has uh, uh, slashed a, uh, is slashed a whole bunch with a scalpel. Deborah is impelled through the back and then ripped in half. Love it. Uh, Luke is killed off screen. Edna has her head crushed in a car door. Uh, Corner Phil is possessed, and then uh, and later, uh, you know, he's passed on. At you know, possession. Uh, he's actually he's kind of dead from the moment that you know like, yeah. that he eats the heart. But like whenever they the possession ends, they basically meld into nothing. That's a cool touch. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, Diana Kimball has a knife thrown into the into her back. Uh, Deputy Josh is possessed and then later melts, as we said. Officer Ryan has his head bashed against the locker. Our Officer Mark <clears throat> has his head bashed with Officer Brian's head. Uh, Officer Brian, again, they smacked into each other. Ward has his wrist broken, thrown into a door. Uh, diner patron is accidentally shot. Uh, this, of course, isn't by Jason. It's I, I want to say it's by... Sh- uh, Joey B, but um, I could be wrong about who did the shooting in that scene. Uh, Shelby has his head deep fried. Blech. Pretty good kill. Yeah. Uh, Joey has her face punched in. That is sick looking too that when she's is. trying to talk and like her teeth are like yeah. rolled backwards in her head or whatever they that, were, what that was. I, I actually had to replay that two or three times to see what the fuck happened. It was almost comical, but at the same time, it was also very realistic looking. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Vicky is impelled through the stomach and has uh, her head crushed. Uh, Robert Campbell is possessed, and then it's assumed that whenever the possession passes on, he melts. Uh, Sheriff Ed Landis has accidentally stabbed. Uh, Officer Randy Parker is possessed, and then later has his head torn off. Uh, Creighton Duke has his back broken in a bear hug, but they don't technically show him die in the movie. It's assumed that he dies. Oh, shit. But they, they could have brought in Creighton Duke back if they wanted to. Well, so. we did talk about the officer in, I think it was part six. No, I don't think it was six. I forget which one that got thrown against a tree. Definitely got his back broken. We're like, oh, he, he could have lived. Yeah. Not a good uh, life, but he could have lived. Yeah, and it, Creighton could have been in the same boat, but uh, it's assumed that he, yeah. he died because they never brought him back. And then Jason Voorhees who is the Jason Voorhees, Kane Hodder again, mm-hmm. is uh, stabbed with a Kandarian dagger uh, from the Evil Dead movies and dragged to hell by Freddy. Wait, is it actually from the Evil Dead movies? Yes, Adam Marcus confirmed that it was, even though he didn't have the rights to it and he couldn't officially say when he was making the movie, but he is confirmed it was for fact 
from Evil Dead. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, and the book of the dead, the Necronomicon, is the book that uh, uh, Stephen slash Tommy Jarvis stand in was uh, kind of, uh, you know, flipping through inside of the uh, Voorhees mansion, as it were. Oh, okay. Oh, my it God. Is, it is the book. It is the book from uh, the set of Army of Darkness. Fucking because, shit. Because Adam Marcus was working with a member of KNB at the time, uh, and KNB was... Um, uh, the ones that worked on the original Evil Dead, you know, one and two. And so they, he worked to deal with them to meet Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi said, sure, here's the book, you know, uh, just don't tell, uh, or just don't say that that's what it is in the movie because Universal owns the rights to it. And he gave it to him in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> wow. Here you go. Protect this with your life. And and the funny thing about that is, this is a little bit of trivia. When he later asked New Line if he could use the Freddy glove, and they were all they they got excited whenever he said Freddy glove because they 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 that's the whole reason they bought it anyways to have the two of them fight. Uh, they agreed to it, but they sent the Freddy glove in a locked box with two security <laughs> guards, and he had to immediately put it back in the box and lock it up as soon as he was done filming with it. And then Sam Raimi was just like here, and he put in a damn Ziploc bag, gave him the Necronomicon, so. Okay. I mean, they did. My my dumb explanation to explain away is that they they had to perfect the Freddy glove. It took a while, <laughs> and they were like, no. Uh, have, we're you gonna... seen the, have you seen the artwork, though, in the Necronomicon? That is a, that is a piece of art. It is. And do they only have one copy? Uh, that was the major copy that they were using, and Sam Raimi gave two shits. He was just like, yeah, ha here, have this. <laughs> uh, Adam Marcus's favorite movies, by the way, are the original Evil Dead movies. That is why he, and he said, on, he has said behind the scenes, he said the Evil Dead movies exist in the same universe as, uh, you know, the Friday movie, or at least the Jason movies, because it is canon that the Necronomicon was in this movie. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, my God. Uh, other taglines, the creator of the first returns to bring you the last. And the reason they say that is because, if you notice, Sean S. Cunningham has his name attached to this movie because he came back for it as a producer. Wait, repeat that. The creator of the first returns okay. to bring you the last. Okay. Because Sean, Sean S. Cunningham, the came back to produce this. Okay. Uh, Sean S. Cunningham is the reason that this movie is the way it is, though, just so that you know, and if you want to really blame somebody, uh, because Adam Marcus had plans to do uh, a few different things with this movie, and Sean S. Cunningham said, whatever you do, just don't have him in that fucking hockey mask. So the reason that Kane Hodder is not in the majority of this movie is because of Sean S. Cunningham. Here's my thoughts. Because <laughs> I have some. <laughs> Whatever. But the tagline, the creator of the first returns to bring you the last. Why? You're still lying. Is there, did, okay. You, you got to tell me now, before we even get into trivia, was this intended to be a last Jason Voorhees movie? No, because they were they they were going to have him fight Freddy. They knew they were going to have him fight Freddy. Okay, so now that brings another question: Is did they keep doing this? Because it was like, oh, you have to see this movie because it's going to be the last. Are they just now doing yeah. it because they're gaslighting I, us? 
I think at this point they were okay. because the the only thing is they did not know they were going to do Jason X. They did not know they were going to do that okay. movie. But they knew they were going to make a Freddy versus Jason. That, okay. That is actually, if I remember the trivia right, that's what they were going to do with this movie. And then they were like, no, we need one movie to kind of set it up. So, or something to that effect. So they, they, but they knew they were going to make a Freddy versus Jason. And this wasn't the movie to fucking set it up. You're fucking kidding me. J- <laughs> You'll have to point out to me in Jason X, how that points out to how Freddie and J- Jason are supposed to fucking get together because no, I'm saying I'm saying that they okay. they didn't want to immediately go to Freddie versus Jason for whatever reason, and they use this movie as a setup. Even though Adam Marcus technically set it up because they weren't even going to have Freddie appear at the end of the movie. That was his decision to do that, which is, in uh, my opinion, a very good one. I was so excited when I saw that. I was like, "It's happening!" Uh, let, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I watched this in the theater back in the day, and. Um, when that glove came out from the dirt, everybody lost their lost fucking their shit. minds. Were you in the theater when you saw that? Yes. Ugh, lucky. <laughs> uh, the rest of the movie, though, highly disappointed me back in the day because I, like you, was like, where's my cane hotter? Yes. What the fuck are you doing right now? Where's hottie hotter at? <laughs> uh, the final tagline is evil has finally found a home. No. Meaning the, the, the Voorhees home, I guess. I Yes, uh, but that home was a fucking, fucking shit brick house. That thing. Uh, now, before I get into the 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 quotes and some other stuff, the the whole thing about the, I'll, I'll give Adam Marcus this. I, I if you listen to the man, his his enthusiasm is pretty infectious. He 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 loves horror movies, and you can tell. And he really has some thoughts about this, even if it didn't play out the way that he wanted to ultimately. But. Uh, he didn't outright come and say it, but like my, I don't mind the idea of Jason having like half siblings because if you remember, there was a deleted scene they were going to have in part six, where at the very end of it, Elias Voorhees, which was Jason's father, was going to visit the cemetery, and like you know, he was the one that was paying the caretaker to keep Jason's grave cleaned, and you know, and okay. all that. So the so a lot even Adam Marcus didn't figure in Elias, so that's, you know, that's a failure in a sense, but he never directly called it out in this either. Uh, but in my head canon, uh, the half-sister comes from Elias's family's line, and they were going to set up Elias to be a necromancer of some kind or oh. some kind of, like, dark magician. Okay. So the fact that he has the Necronomicon, that fits okay. the series, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the idea that Adam Marcus had is that, and, and this could still play into that, Pamela Pamela Voorhees uh, took and read from the Necronomicon right before she killed all the, the campers in the first movie mm-hmm. and then got her head cut off. So when Jason, you know, young Jason, appears at the end of that movie and sees her getting her head chopped off, she didn't realize that the spell worked. And... And she basically he is a dead eye, in other words, or a version of a dead eye. Yeah, I want to stress that he's not the same creature as the the dead eyes, and but he's a offshoot of them. Um, and this is technically canon because the Necronomicon's in the movie. So she summoned Jason back from the dead. He actually was dead. Uh, that was actually him jumping out at Adrian King. How she got away, nobody knows, but. 
because of the the type of creature that he is, that's the reason also when Adam Marcus came up with this, the reason he went in the course of just like six months between the end of part one and the beginning of part two when Alice is killed by the uh, sackhead Jason inside of her own home uh-huh. uh, is because little child Jason with a, with a dead eye inside of him grew up to be that huge monster that, that he was in the other movies. Okay, because I was going to say, yeah. well, then how did he grow up? It's because it was an accelerated growth because of the he's an offshoot of the dead eyes. Okay, okay. I, that's, that's a pretty decent explanation. It's a it's a good way to wrap up the inconsistencies. Yes, one hundred percent. So, anyways, I'll give him credit for that. I mean, you know, people can give him shit for how the movie played out, fine, but he tried to tie this shit mess together, and I, I like some of the ideas he came up with. Yeah. Um, quotes: Robert Campbell. I'm going to say a couple of words to you, and I want you to say the first thing that comes into your mind. Creighton Duke. Okay. Robert Campbell. Jason Voorhees. Creighton Duke. That makes me think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. That's fucking disgusting. I thought about that. I don't don't know what he was even... Rufus, what the fuck are you talking about, (laughs) And I was like... And then he tried to explain it away. Well, Jason Voorhees isn't real. That's... Your little explanation doesn't... What? A little girl in a pink... Very specific, sir. Yes. Uh, Luke, we're going to Camp Crystal Lake. Stephen Freeman, a.k.a. Tommy Jarvis knockoff. Oh, yeah? Planning on smoking a little dope? Having a little premarital sex and getting slaughtered? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good summation of the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, assistant coroner to Jason's body. Hey, fuck. How you doing? You fat-ass, maggoty, blown-up fuck. And then he gives Jason's body the finger. <laughs> assistant coroner, suck this. Suck it. You know what I'd like to do to you? I'd like to ma- take a crap right on your fucking mask. A big old mango-sized crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Creighton Duke. Those FBI idiots destroyed Jason's body, so now he needs a new one. The ones he's jumping in and out of, they can't last. They get diseased. He gets weak. Jason needs to be reborn again, and he needs Jessica to do it. And then Steven asks, why Jessica? Creighton Duke, now see, that's a very, very expensive question, boy, and I don't think you've got what it takes to pay the price. Uh, And then there's this whole hand scene, like he's stroking his hand, and it's really weird. Uh, And Steven's like, you know, tell me. And then Creighton Duke, after snapping one of his fingers, this one, or well, he's done this a few times. He finally tells him. This one's on the house, and a Voorhees, he was born through a Voorhees may be, or may he be reborn, and only by the hands of a Voorhees will he die. Jason had a sister, your girlfriend's mother, Diana. Now that she's dead, he only has two blood relatives left in the world with the power to kill him or make him reborn, Jessica and her baby. Uh, and then, of course, Stephen says, I have to get out here, and I've got to protect him. Um, it's, first of all, I would like to know how Creighton figure, came yeah. to this knowledge. Like, you know, they don't there needed to be something somewhere, some other media that said how he figured this out. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't mind that retcon of the lore, but like also they don't ever use it again. So it kind of stinks that it's just like, all right, there was two other Voorhees and now whatever happened to them, you know? Well, which movie is it um, where there's a movie, I forget which one it is, where Jason Voorhees' dad returns? Uh, hold on. Uh, it's a fan film, I think. Um, okay, I was going to say it had to be a fan film at that point. 
Yeah, Elias Voorhees. Um, and fuck, what is it? Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll move on. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. All right, and then finally, Creighton Duke. The only way to do that is to kill Jason, and you can't, but Jessica can. Tell Jessica about her birthright. Make her believe you. Go to the Voorhees house. Find proof, because if you don't, Jason will kill her and your baby. Uh, Friday the 13th timeline, so May of 1998 to June of 2003, Jason Voorhees somehow reforms from the toxic sludge and makes his way back from New York to Crystal Lake. So we're again in the future. We're in the, uh, or I think we're in the future at this point because I think this movie takes place... It was filmed in 1993, but it takes place in 2003. Um, uh, Thursday, June 12, 2003, the FBI agents set a trap for Jason, blow him to bits. Uh, the coroner takes his possessed heart, you know, eats it. That worm comes out, you know, yeah. possesses him. Uh, he goes to, uh, you know, uh, the Voorhees home, uh, or at least he follows back, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jessica's mom kills her but before he's able to uh you know uh, use her body to be reborn uh he is uh disturbed by somebody and then you know and and prevented uh friday june 13 2003 goes on rampage and swaps multiple bodies trying to possess jessica kimball or her infant daughter um ultimately uh he finds uh their her mother's dead body in the in the cellar, uh, very much a callback to uh, Evil Dead, if anybody noticed that, where the, the you know, dead eye came from underneath the ground. In this case, the dead eye is Jason. Uh, and uh, she stabs him with a mystical dagger, which is a Kandarian dagger. And then Freddy Krueger grabs his mask, dragging him to hell. And there you go. Uh, real quick. Friday the 13th Vengeance. It's a 2019 horror film. Okay. It doesn't say that it's a fan film. Uh, it had to be though. They've not made like a real Friday Thirteenth and like since the remake. Yeah. Um. Hold on one second. It, there's an IMDb for it. Uh. God, it looks really good. CJ Grandma's in it. Oh, cool. He plays they, Elias that, Voorhees. That's that's interesting that they would have him play that part. Yeah. Um. Hold on. I'm just looking. Oh yeah, it is. It, it, and it was one of the. Its completion was one of the most successful Friday the Thirteenth, eh, Friday the Thirteenth fan film Kickstarter ever. And then, you know that should that should tell you something about the thirst that people have for this uh, this series to come back is that the fan films are doing as well as they are. I mean, yeah. You know. um, and then it's followed up by a second uh, Friday the Thirteenth movie. I think you've already mentioned it. It's called Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance Two Bloodlines, and that was in twenty twenty two. Oh, and you know what they also did in this movie? They got Tom McLaughlin back, who was the director of uh, of Part Six, to play the Grave Keep Walt in the movie. So wow. it, it continues on. So this movie takes that deleted scene from Part Six and rolls on from it. Yeah, and then uh, Jason Brooks, I think he plays Jason Voorhees in both of the films. I thought I've looked him up before. Uh, Steve Dash is plays uh, is uh, Sheriff Jason. Steve Dash was one of the you know living Jasons, if you want to call him living at that point. Oh yeah, I remember him. Ninety uh, percent of Google users liked this film. Holy I'm telling you, the, I'm telling you, the fan films of these movies. I mean, because people really want a new one bad. Yeah. Uh, Diana Prince, who's the Darcy the male girl from uh, Joe Bob, is also in this movie. Holy shit! And, uh, she she usually shows her tatas and stuff. So oh yeah, I know. We quotation mark Death Holler follows her, but it ain't me. 
she is a pretty big fan of horror films, though, to give her credit. I mean, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I kind of want to go and watch some of these movies, to be honest with you, because uh, Never Hike Alone is pretty good. Yeah, there's definitely like some kind of comic, and I wonder if it's the one you guys were talking about where it kind of fills in the gaps. Um, but um, in, um, God, what is it? Hold on. Uh, on Elias, or Friday the 13th Wiki, they do have Elias Voorhees, and there's a picture of him, but it's definitely like a comic picture of him and it even explains his own oh yeah friday the 13th jason lives novelization that's awesome (laughs) uh let's discuss this movie Uh, visually what do you think about this movie it's got it's got some cgi in it um which is you know is what it is but they still went practical with a lot of the effects so yeah um This movie, I think it's comical that it's set in 2003 because this movie is so, like, it, to me, it's like 1980s still. Yes, it still looks like it's the, the late 80s. Yeah, which is weird because even, like, at the beginning, the girl that goes to Crystal Lake that's actually a, an officer of some sorts, she's got 80s hair if in an 80s outfit, maybe 90s, early 90s, but holy shit, dude. It's it's definitely not early 2000s. I'm not mentally following the timeline that you're laying out that they're trying to portray. They're not doing a good job of portraying well, the Well, the, the thing is, is that they, they were the ones that skipped that timeline ahead so far yeah. because in the first few movies, even though they were taking place in the early 80s, they were already into the 90s by yeah. like the third or fourth film, basically, or getting close. Yeah, so it makes sense. I think visually, like, some of the scenes were okay. Um, like I should the, say the fifth movie, technically fourth. Uh, the first four movies take place within like two days of each other, uh, or give or to well the two through four, and then like after that it gets weird. But yeah, anyways. I think um, the kills were were good. I think um, considering that they were doing a lot of dark filming, you know, I think they did a pretty decent job. Um, I think that they did a good job with the bodies, and they actually fucking uh, showed shit. The the kill with in particular with the girl inside of the the you know the tent where she is cut in half and like he rips the you know yeah. the uh, machete out the or up the top that is pretty I mean it's pretty graphic yeah. I mean it's good to see that return at least in this movie yes um and it wasn't like overly done because I find in future movies some of it gets a little over the top um so and and I'll like I said I'll I'll point those out when they when we get there but yeah. Um, so visually it was good. I just think that the film looked so grainy. Um, I, I didn't like the look of that. It just looked too old. That might be the source of, uh, like whatever you were watching. Cause I didn't notice it as much on the, uh, screen factory set that I've got. Like okay. it seemed like pretty cleaned up. Yeah. From what I could tell. Trying to think, um, we have it on Plex, so maybe, and it could, was only certain scenes too. Yeah, I didn't notice it as much, but I and I was also watching the, uh, and maybe that's the reason I saw the gore, you know, the way that I did. I was watching the uncut version, but they actually have an uncut version of it, and you get to see a lot. Uh, the gore is pretty good in it. Yeah. Um, biggest attraction from this movie, and the reason most people hate it upon release and still dislike it, if you're watching it for a Jason movie, is that Jason himself is barely in it. He bookends the movie. Uh, He's yeah. only in it. 
He's only in it in scenes where the the possessed characters see themselves in mirrors. Yes, that is true, uh, which is kind of exciting and kind of cool, you know? Because I'm like, where is he? How is he Jason in this movie if he's not in it? Uh I, but I found myself not minding as much rewatching it this time just because I, and, and uh, Kane Hodder mentioned this. He said every time that one of the characters like took over uh, that was supposed to be him, he gave them little hints as to how to act. Uh, he said some of them tried to take his advice, but the majority of them wanted to play it their own way, which kind of aggravated him, to be honest. But uh, uh, I still felt like there was a, a, the way that they were kind of like, you know, just mindlessly killing until they could get a hold of like one of the Voorhees. It felt spiritually enough to work to Jason where I could accept that it, that, you know, it was him, even if it wasn't him. You yeah. Know? I mean, like I respect what Kane is trying to accomplish, but he's not directing the film, not the director. I know. I know. And, but it, I do see from his point of view that, I mean, he said that from a fan perspective, he was looking at it from fan cause he was a fan of the films before he became, you know, uh, you know, Jason himself. Yeah. And he, and he said that he wanted, if he was, if he was watching as a fan, he would want Jay, all the Jasons to be consistent in how they acted so that the movie had better continuity. Yes, but the reason why it kind of works a little bit is that it starts to get confusing towards the end of who is possessed by him. Yes. It's like he's it, getting a little bit smarter and, hey, I can't act like a fucking, you know, like I possess this body. I need to act natural, you know, to which... The characters, I think, once it gets to the point where you don't know which one is Jason in terms of the two police officers, I think that it worked out really good because I thought she had killed the right one and she didn't. She killed the wrong one. I thought that was good, and I'll agree with you. I think that ups the tension because he's getting smarter and he's, he, just like you said, he's using the bodies to his advantage. And uh, he's a little bit different in parts of this movie anyways because the coroner, before he possesses the... Uh, the older cop uh-huh. uh, shaves him for some reason. And I still yes. don't know the reason behind the shaving, but, but you know, uh, and Adam Marcus, and I don't know why he did this, but he, he's an ally, you know, yeah. I'll throw that word out there. That's what he, that's what he claims he is. And he said he wanted some, you know, like gay representation in the movie. And that scene in particular where he has the cop strapped down almost completely naked and, and kind of like a bondage type situation and shaves him is kind of a homoerotic thing that he threw in the movie. I don't know why. I don't know what that helps anything. I don't know the scene with uh, Creighton Duke massaging, you know, uh, poor man's Tommy Lee Jar- or Tommy yeah. Jarvis, you know, uh, it helped the movie. But it's in there, and that's, you know, but uh, in that scene, he's shaving him, and, and like, you, you think for a split second, it works in that scene just because you think he's going to just slit his throat. But uh-huh. it's like it's like Jason changing his mind and he's like no i'm just going to shave you so that like it's a little bit so i can you know something about how he was planning on using the body and i don't yes. know how that came into effect but that's what he did i just know? thought so. that jason did not like the mustache and he was just like nope um since he's taking over the body i'm like oh he fucking hated that mustache maybe that's what it was I yeah mean, that that makes as much sense as anything else because even the coroner is trying to take his body back and he's like what am I doing, you know? And and he can't battle Jason. Jason's winning, you know? 
yeah, his uh, evil spirit that's in there. So I would um, say that in terms of the possessed, the coroner did it best. He had a little bit more yes. of a menacing walk. Uh, it felt he was a better actor in terms of he, he's also one of the bigger actors. Yes, I mean, size definitely makes a difference for Jason. Yes, and you know? um, and obviously when I think was there one point where he took over a woman? I don't think he did. I mean, obviously he took over his his ancestor, but then that was Kane Hodder. Yes. Did he take over one, another that's woman? That's the only one in the movie. I, I think that's the only one that he possessed was the... Was, okay. Was his... Was uh, Deborah or whatever yeah. name is. I, you and, know. and the reason why I thought he had taken over a woman is because, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but they're back at the diner. You can tell he's trying to figure out what the fuck he's going to do. He's got to jump into a body. Um, And so the woman's body was dead on the floor. He had just slashed one of the waitresses. I thought he was going to jump into her body. He did not. He ended up getting one of the cops. The, the cops that came in after and yes. were investigating the scene, yes. Now, how did he get... Cop, Go ahead. Which happened to be the cop that's been, you know, friends with Steven the entire movie. Yes. So. And not only that, how did he get one but not the other? How did he get one away from the other enough that he could possess them and the other didn't even know? Well, did the other one show back up is the question because I feel like he killed the other one. Okay, because two cops showed up. Didn't two cops show Oh, no, no, no. It was her baby daddy in the cop that showed yes. up. Never mind. Yes. Okay, it's all coming back to me. Celine Dion. Alexa, play. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> uh I don't I don't mind this movie. I really don't. Like the characters, they they got personality, especially Creighton Duke. I mm-hmm. mean, he stands out and uh, you know, I I I, I like the attempt at something different. Yeah. Especially if you're watching this as a marathon. It's it's a it's a little bit of a refre- uh, yeah. fresh air in between the constant, like, let's kill people at a camp, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the only thing that irked me was not seeing uh, Hottie Cot, you know, Hottie Hotter. <laughs> Hottie Hotter. As often as I wanted to. But can I tell you, it was worth it when they were like, wait. Do the bodies have to be alive for him to possess them? And all of a sudden, Hottie Hotter jumps up from the ground. He has just taken over the woman's body. I was expecting a dead woman to jump up from underneath the ground. And no, because she was a Voorhees, he was able to turn back into his natural form. It was beautiful. And it's another homage to Evil Dead because in those movies, the characters are always like, wait. What was that? And yes. then the dead idol will flop up right behind them immediately. Yes. So that's that's the old mo- And I love Evil Dead, so the fact that this has links to it, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit biased in that sense. Yes. So, and I did not notice the Evil Dead. Why would I, though? I'm Raina. Look at guys. <laughs> the Reverend is the one that has all the details on the show. It is obvious. I am not here to uh, to teach you anything or educate you i am here solely for entertainment and i may not even be that entertaining but you know what i'm here so uh also when adam marcus was making that dagger that's totally not a kandarian dagger but totally is it is uh he he told the uh the guy from uh and ron uh berger or whatever his name is from k and b uh, and the other guys, he's like, I want you to make this dagger, and I want you to make it look like it's from that other movie. And they were like, gotcha, fam. We'll take care of it. And they totally did it without telling anybody what it was. So, you know, they, it was all done on the you know on the sly so that they didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I love the fact that, I mean, if you listen to him describe it, like, that gives a whole new, like, you know, dimension to it because he really 
he really wanted, you know, that connection and he made it, he made it work. I mean, yeah. I'll give credit to the guy. Uh, the acting is, mm, it's not, I mean, you're not going to win any awards with acting, but it's not the worst we have in the series either. Uh, but that's the thing. Even the family, like Joey B Shelby and, and Ward or whatever his name is, it's in the diner. They all have personalities. Like, yeah. I mean, they're, none of them are the wet fish in part seven. And I think I, I really think part seven is what made me appreciate this movie. And I know people think okay. I'm nuts for saying that, uh, but it is the God's honest truth that like after the non personalities of everybody, but Jason in part seven and maybe Dr. Cruz, if you want to throw him in there, uh, I was just like, give me campy, give me something that yeah. I can, you know, and then this movie was like, sure, here's your campy characters. And I'm like, thank you. Ask you know? and you shall receive. <laughs> Uh, one thing I did not like, and this continues for the rest of the series after this, Jason is back to his mongoloid, almost living version again in this movie when he pops back up. Maybe not his body, but if you look at the head, it's no longer rotten like it was in the previous uh, two movies. I didn't notice, but I, refu- really I refuse to notice things me. that upset me like that. Uh, it does get back to the rotten version in Freddy versus Jason, though. Yes. And, and, and not not completely, but it's like blackened and it looks like, you know, the flesh is decayed a little bit. So there's yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the music in this, uh, I want to say that this has pretty good, like, soundtrack to I it. I think it has a good soundtrack. I remember liking it. But this is also coming off of, what the fuck is this, from, you know, Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> you just didn't like that 80s music. I just did uh, not that be- like that beginning song, and clearly the, you played the ending song for me, you know, off air. And I was like, oh, no, that one's good. I like that a lot, you know? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, there's a couple of good songs from that, but, yeah, there's a few duds, too. Uh, I'm trying to see if they got anything listed here uh, as far as the soundtrack, just to see. But I want to say that, like, the uh, the actual music from it is not that bad. Like, I mean... Um, yeah, I'm not seeing it immediately, but there, there was some good music off of this. Uh, it's just that I, I don't have it immediately in front of me. And then Harry Manfredi came back. And so the orchestral stuff's fine you yeah. know, for what it is. Uh, let's see anything you want to add before I get into trivia. <sighs> Story acting visuals. No, because we're going to get into the, uh, the death holler award. So. All right. Uh, there was allegedly a comic book that bridged the gap between part eight, like I said, and this movie. Uh, and uh, it explains, like I said, why the FBI is specifically formed a task force to take out Jason. So apparently he killed a bunch of people on his way back to Crystal Lake. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, at around one hour and 18 minutes in the film, just before the handcuffs, uh, he handcuffs himself to Jason and a part of a, a movable furniture. Creighton Duke says, son of a bitch, you remember me? In the final film, this sounds nonsensical. In the audio commentary uh, on the Blu-ray, uh, it is revealed that the script at one point had it that Jason killed Duke's girlfriend. His backstory initially explained that he was canoeing with his girlfriend in Camp Crystal Lake before Jason emerged from the water and dragged his girlfriend down in the lake. This is what led to his career in the police force, dedicating his life to hunting down Jason for revenge. This was ultimately cut from the film, um, that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to have that crucial information in there, honestly. 
Yeah, for it to make sense, I mean, it it just I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't like when you hear it, you're like, okay, what what have you been doing this entire time? You yeah. know. Uh, let's see. Uh, the jungle gym in front of the Voorhees house was also used in the birds from 1963. Uh, the original title of the movie was Friday the 13th part nine, the dark heart of Jason Voorhees. Uh, but new line didn't buy the rights as we said, so they had to change it. Which whatever. Uh, I mean, it's a new era. And I think that getting into the Jason movies is it's totally fine. You, you can't have Friday the 13th, 36. Okay. (laughs) It's got to be like Jason goes to the ballet, you know. We got to we got to have we got to mix it up, and it's like Jason. Okay, two things: Jason, fucking yes, we love Jason Voorhees. Ballet, oh, he's gonna fuck some bitches up, you know. <laughs> uh, New Line didn't buy the rights to Tommy Jarvis either, so that's like we said. The reason Stephen is protagonist. I think uh, that was a big mistake, but I also was. would not have liked uh, Stephen as Tommy Jarvis. You either well, get the Tommy Jarvis or you get no no character taking him. I kind of agree. If they would have got Tommy from part six, uh, or even Corey Feldman, if they wanted to go that route and he yeah. was available this time, uh, that would have been pretty cool. And the, and the idea Adam Marcus had was that Tommy Jarvis was still in Crystal Lake because he still was paranoid about the fact that Jason would return again. Yeah. But also his life had gone to shit, and that's the reason he was in the predicament he was, you okay, know, in the that's, movie. That's true. Um, yeah, but it, it, regardless, no, you have to have the Tommy. We cannot just keep switching Tommy Jarvis's character around. So I guess it's it's good that it worked out the way that it did. I mean, look at the video game. They even use, what, part six Tommy Jarvis? Yes, yeah. and I and I personally would be very happy if they would have, you know, used part six Tommy Jarvis, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jason's heart in this movie was that is actually, a, the prop was used again in 1996 from Dusk Till Dawn uh, as the monkey man's heart that's in that movie. Okay. According to co-writer Dean Laurie, the biggest mistake he made was writing a baby into the story and Creighton Duke's uh, sudden appearance in the lore, despite never having mentioned uh, being mentioned in the previous eight films and with the, uh, and some of the rules to kill Jason. So he kind of feels bad that he introduced all that stuff. Now I think Creighton Duke would have been fine if they would have somehow like did some kind of flashback scene or something with him, like they did it with Rennie in Part Eight. Yeah. Uh, the the rules. A little much, agreeably, to kill him. I mean, and then the baby, the baby served no purpose. So Great. what were you doing? He, you're right. The baby didn't. There was just the risk. Like if Jason Voorhees had actually at one point made it to the baby, you know, and you're like, oh, no, it's going to happen. You know, okay. The, the, yes. Then the baby is useful. I don't really, I don't remember that we got that. He never made it to the baby. He got close, and then uh, Stephanie, or not Stephanie, because that's the baby's name. Yeah, Jessica freaked out and got to him, uh, or distracted him enough to keep to pull him away from her. Yeah. So, so and I don't why it's like you uh, know that she won. She's probably not going to be able to do shit to you too. You're fucking Jason Voorhees. You can literally hardly anyone's going to get to you in between you and that baby. I don't know, but I think. If they had just taken two minutes, instead of having fucking Creighton fondling homeboy's hand, how do you know this information? Or, you know, what, like, why are you, Why do you even care is, is a question that could have been presented. It's like, you know, well, back in, you know, 1983, 
you know, even though it's probably not that long ago from this movie. But, you know, my girlfriend was killed by Jason Voorhees, blah, blah, blah. And I vowed I was going to find out. And just two minutes to explain. I went into research. They could have showed a quick vaccine or they could have just had him explaining it while they're showing his face and switching to each character. You know, a quick Uh, explanation as to why he's there, what he knows and how he found out. And what would have been cooler, although I don't think they were even considering Elias, is that if they would have had him somehow uh, run into Elias and then find out about the Necronomicon, and that's how he found out about all that stuff. Yeah, something. Give us something. Look, the movie wasn't terrible, but these things would have just made it fucking amazing. Yes. Uh, And also, we didn't mention this during the visuals. What did you think about, like, the uh, worm when you finally get the good look at it toward the end of the movie? And it's like a half, like, it's like almost a fetus that's got, like, a tail or something. It worked. It was very gross. It kind of made me feel (laughs) gaggy, which is, I know I said that weird, but, like, I'm gagging, but but gaggy. Whatever. Okay. Um, It it made me feel a certain way, and that's what it should have done. It was gross. Yeah, it was cheap, but come on. I've watched Nightmare on Elm Street films. We're good. Like It almost almost like something I've seen in a fucking Freddy Krueger movie. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Uh, According to actress uh, Rusty Schwimmer, most of the dialogue between her character Joey B and Shelby, Leslie Jordan, was improvised on set. They just rolled the cameras and let us go. That bitch was annoying. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I loved Leslie Leslie Jordan. Um, and it's funny how she was calling what Pookie or something. Yeah, yeah. She kept. She's like, "Oh, shut up, Pookie," or yeah. whatever she kept saying to Pookie, him. Pookie, make this happen. Um, yeah. She she got on my goddamn nerves. I couldn't wait for her to die. Uh, well, there's got to be some people you got to root for. To, understandably, for and at least yeah, at least her character wasn't fucking boring. That's true. Uh, Tony Todd. <gasps> uh, A.K. Candyman auditioned for the role of Creighton Duke. So there you go. Battle of the Black Men. That would have been like, how do... Because we would love to have seen Tony Todd in here. But we loved seeing, what's his name in here? Rufus. Rufus, yeah. Oh, my God. According to interviews in the Crystal Lake Memories book, Stephen Williams had a habit of flashing females on set. Shut the fuck up. No, he didn't. (laughs) His dick? His dick? Uh, you gonna get that dick? Did, <laughs> did he really? That's what it said. I'm just, I'm saying, you know. Okay, but <laughs> like, you could never, you could not. He is lucky he's not part of like some fucking uh, the other side of the Me Too movement. He he is. Uh, what about that scene that he had with the the older cop where he was telling him he's like, well, maybe I'll just take your woman. I'm sure that she'd like the piece of this meat better than you know. Do you remember that whole scene where he yeah. had and he was like, you know, that's what got him arrested. I believe was him like pushing all that. So wow. Uh, anyways, uh, like several of the sequels before it and Jason X uh, in 2001. After this, the film originally had a flashback sequence, and Betty and, and Betsy Palmer was proposed to uh, uh, was was going to reprise the role, but she decided not to for various reasons. Most of them, money. They just didn't offer enough, so mm-hmm. they wanted like you know her to come in and you know do her line. It's like Jason, uh, my you know my, my special, special, boy. special boy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Adam Marcus wanted Keegan to do the shower scene. Now th- you got to listen to this. Okay. This is bad. 
so Adam Marcus wanted Keegan, the final girl in the movie, to do the shower scene completely nude, a.k.a. Glenn Close sitting in a shower naked and crying in the big chill. Keegan says she told them from the get-go that she would not do nudity, while Marcus maintains that she was never up front with him about that. Uh, Keegan counters that Marcus knew, but he kept telling everyone that she that he'd be able to convince her to change her mind. So two movies in a row that they did this. Yeah. This gets worse, though. She never did. And during the movie, she wore a flesh-colored bathing suit bottom and Madonna-like cone bra just with uh, Dixie cups instead of cones. But the water was so hot that she was literally crying from the pain in the shower. Uh, Keegan complained about the whole thing to her agent, who then argued with everyone in the production, especially Marcus. As a result, they briefly became enemies, and it got so bad that she walked off set. And even though they were, they were mere days away from rapping, so Sean S. Cunningham had to come take the movie away from Adam Marcus and direct the final couple of days just to get Keegan back to finish it out. Wow. What the fuck did he? Okay, so he set the temperature of the water? I don't know who sets temperature, but she told them it was too hot, and he, maybe because he was pissed off or whatever reason, didn't listen. I, <laughs> fuck, I mean, fuck him for that, but, like, can you not, I, you know what, I don't know how none of that shit works. It's probably not a real shower, so it, it's probably not something she can control, because I would have been like, I'm turning it on, or I'm changing it, you know, but, Holy fuck, dude. Well, and, I, and I know that most showers now come with inhibitors that, like, you can't get too hot. But back in, you know, early 90s, yeah, they they probably did get so hot that they could actually burn. Yeah, probably. And, oh, my God, I would. what kind of shower is that? I want that. No, I was kidding. I think most people actually would. I mean, I, I don't know if I was down in Universal during HHA, and this is a tangent, but, like, the showers there, even at their hottest, Ugh. barely got hot enough to feel like they were comfortable. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck this. This is so stupid. Like, you know, yeah. I want it to be steaming in here when I'm done with this thing. Oh, know? my God. Yeah, out in uh, my fucking uh, condo out near um, Anaheim where, you know, when Kayla and I went to Disney, you can tell only two girls were in this fucking room because when we showered, I'm surprised the smoke alarm didn't go off. <laughs> I know it's not supposed to detect steam. Some of them do. I don't know how updated their alarms are. Probably a lot more updated than the ones in my house because steam, my daughter and I will set off an alarm in the house with the fucking hotness of our showers. Uh Going on to this story, this is the worst part about it. Her negative experience work on this film and her antagonistic relationship with Adam Marcus caused her to quit acting for good. <gasps> Fuck, it got worse. <laughs> God damn. Originally, the roles eventually played by Leslie Jordan and Rust Rusty Schwimmer were reversed. Obviously, in the original script, uh, Shelby was the woman, while Joey B was the man, as evidenced by the character's name. However, once they got the leads in there and realized how they were and how the woman was very manly and the, the man was very effeminate, they switched their kind of switched their genders in a roundabout way. So okay. there you go. That's the reason for that. Uh, due to the presence of the Necronomicon, the dagger from Evil Dead, Jason is often incorrectly assumed by fans to be a deadite. But like I said, Adam Marcus says that he is just a twinge difference. You know, like <laughs> there's he's he he's another part of the Necronomicon that has never been read from. Like he's a different form of Kandarian demon, basically. Is he basically like the autistic of of, of fucking deadites? 
He's just a Something little different. Like that. <laughs> yes. He's on the spectrum of yes. the Pandorian demons. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I've already said the backstory about how she used it to resurrect her dead son. So there yeah. you go. Uh, the scene um, with the uh, campers having sex in the tent was added later, as I said. And uh, Adam Marcus wanted it to be safe sex that ki- or the lack of safe sex that killed instead of just sex. Yeah. Uh, conceptually, the notion of Jason's essence being transferable came from Adam Marcus's original story treatment. Ignoring Jason takes Manhattan, he picked up where part uh, seven, the new blood left off, i.e., Jason neutralized. And uh, this is his original script, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and being trapped at the bottom of Crystal Lake, the film would open with a mystery man dredging up Jason's body so that an autopsy could be performed in a nearby cabin converted into a science lab where we were supposed to expect Jason to wake up and go berserk. However, as a surprise, Jason would awaken only to watch his own black heart torn out by the mystery man. This would instantly render him powerless, and the mystery man would consume the heart, thereby absorbing Jason's powers, quote-unquote. Uh, the big reveal of the identity of man, Elias Voorhees. Oh, wow. Jason's never seen, never mentioned evil twin brother, although it should have been his dad, yeah. but whatever. You know, that's... Uh, it's not clear where the story would have gone from here, but they dropped all of it except for the idea of someone eating Jason's heart, thereby taking his powers. Uh, and the funny thing about this is there is a horror movie from 1987, which takes place is, was filmed before this, mind you, uh, called The Hidden, which has a person uh, swapping bodies by being consumed, almost literally just like this movie. Uh, although Marcus claims he never saw that movie before making this, so he didn't technically steal, even though it's they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Dean Laurie originally pitched his idea for a ninth movie called Jason Takes L.A., which no. is about two gang- yeah, that would have been bad. It's about two gangs who hated each other and fight one another on, as street fighters. Uh, at one point, Jason somehow shows up and begins slaughtering people in the city, uh, as well as featuring two female detective storylines. The gangs would have uh, later worked together to take down Jason. Uh, director Adam Marcus hated the pits for being the same thing audience had already seen in the previous movie and opted to continue the body sw- uh, switching concept he had came up with instead, which is a good idea because... I, at least this movie is is I, I would have hated Jason Takes L.A. That's oh yeah, stupid. no, a- absolutely not. <laughs> Look at the uh, gangs it, of Los Angeles aren't even in like the biggest part. Los Angeles is you don't understand. Los Angeles has a bunch of inner cities like within it. So and the gangs aren't even anywhere close to the big city of Los Angeles. Like I, I know that sounds so dumb. California is so stupid when it comes to you know where a major city is versus where a little town or a tiny city is. It's fucking stupid. Uh, But anyway, so this wouldn't have worked. And not only that, the storyline sounds stupid. Oh, it really sounds stupid. But get this. It was briefly discussed to be used again before they decided to make Jason go to space and Jason X. So they almost came back to this. (laughs) Okay. I'll be quiet. Uh, I want to say that the original treatment that he came up with with Elias. Uh, yes. You know, that actually sounds pretty fucking cool. I it feel like I does. might have liked that better than what we got in this film, but it's hard to say. It would depend upon how it played out. Yeah. Uh, Toby Hooper was originally considered to direct this movie. It makes sense, that- especially with the fucking heart. 
Uh, John McTiernan, uh, who, as you know, did uh, Terminator uh, T2, uh, I believe, uh, or no, that might have been James Cameron for that one. He did one of them anyways. Uh, he did do uh, Die Hard. That's what John McTiernan is mostly known for. Anyways, he was offered the chance to direct the movie, but he turned it down to work on Last Action Hero which is probably a bad decision because I love Last Action Hero, and it is way before its time and should have been recognized for the great movie it is, but it bombed oh, big time. That's so funny because, like, I, from what I know of Last Action Hero, I don't believe I've seen it. It's regarded as, a like, a, a good film. It is a really fun film. It's really meta, and it's really funny, and it would technically qualify for this season because uh, – uh, uh, Noonan, the guy who played in House of the Devil, you know, the big tall guy or yeah. whatever that, that was in that. Creeper, creeper. Uh, the super creepy dude. He plays the evil guy that uh, the that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going against in the movie, and he is basically a slasher. Ooh. I mean, he's got a raincoat. He kills with an axe, and he looks creepy as fuck in that movie. So wow. It is, it is technically a slasher movie if you really want to lump it in there. Interesting. Uh, director Adam Marcus's decision to cast a black actor as Creighton Duke was influenced by George A. Romero's uh, continued casting of African-Americans as heroes in his films. In spite of the turbulent political climate when those films were made, Marcus wanted to continue this trend and ultimately chose Stephen Williams for the role, even though he could add Tony Todd. And that would have even kind of linked it to George A. Romero's movies because Tony Todd was in the remake of Nine of the Living Dead. Okay, great. I, I, I do like his idea behind it, but he really didn't do... Steven, any justice by making him say the creepy shit he said and do the creepy shit he did. No, he didn't. They they should have reworked his character. And the yeah, treatment. they damn near made him an enemy almost. Uh, and finally, Lori Holden uh, of The Walking Dead, I believe, is this, uh, you know, that played the blonde in that or whatever. Uh, Andrea was, or Andrea. Oh, you say yeah, it, I remember character. her. She was a whore uh, in the comics. Yeah, yeah. She was a uh, writer. Uh, she was director Adam Marcus's and writer Dean Laurie's choice for the role of Jessica Campbell, but Sean Cunningham decided to push for Carrie Keegan instead. And it makes me wonder: Would Laurie Holden have been the one that got burned in the shower, or would she have agreed with Adam Marcus and actually did the scene, you know, nude? I don't. I don't think she would have. And it, oh wait, you, mean, you're saying would Lori Holden have done the scene nude? Yeah, that's what oh I'm she would have. She was the pick. Uh, it would have been interesting to see her as like a, an option, you know. But yeah. anyways, all right. Uh, Death Holler Awards final girl Jessica Jessica Campbell was significant help from Stephen Freeman, and I put that in there because she nearly gets killed so many times. And if it isn't for Stephen, yeah. aka Tommy Jarvis, you know, if it been Tommy Jarvis, I could have forgiven this because he is Jason's nemesis. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, at least for three films, so that kind of establishes a trend. I could see him being the one that helped out the final girl and it being excused. But since this is a random dude yeah. helping her out, like it kind of diminishes her as a final girl. Um, you see, this is where they went wrong with the use of the baby because everyone felt like, not everyone, but most people felt like, well, fuck, what was the use of the baby? And honestly, I think that's how all of us feel. The baby wasn't threatened enough by Jason Voorhees at all. Um, the baby, the, the mom had no mama bear instinct. I never once got that from her. She left her baby with people. Uh, rather than th Rather than staying by the baby nonstop, knowing that potentially her baby daddy was either dangerous, um, 
not realizing that something was going on with the ex, you know, that clearly looks like a fucking zombie and is not even speaking whatsoever. <laughs> she she was she didn't have final girl instincts. Um, and not only that, let's move on to the baby daddy. He, yes, he wanted to protect her and the baby, but it didn't, it felt like he wanted to protect her more than the baby. And granted, he, he knew that was his kid and he claims to wanted to be in the kid's life, but like there was no, I didn't feel a papa bear fucking instinct from him at all. I felt like he was trying to save her and that was it. Also, the character they got to play, Steven, is a little too on the nerdy side and it's hard to believe him in several scenes where he's doing some of this Mm -mm. stuff. Yeah, I wasn't buying it. But going back to the final girl, I'm sorry, but in my opinion, she's not the final girl. She's not a final girl. Yeah, she, uh, the whole thing with her being blood relations and the dagger, that's fine, but she stumbles into Mm -hmm. finishing him off. That's literally what happened. I'm surprised she didn't trip and accidentally put the dagger through Jason. It came close to that. I yeah. mean, at the end, if you remember, because like Jason was getting ready to kill her, Steven comes in yet again to, as a distraction, you know, this for the 40th second time. Yeah. And then while, and then she just happens to jump and then like, you know, hit, hit him in the right in the chest. Uh, and then, you know, finally, and I think even Steven uh, does one more thing to distract uh, Jason so that she can kick the dagger the rest of the way into the heart to finish him off or yeah. however it plays out. So yeah. uh, it's, she, she requires too much help. She doesn't have the instincts, yada, 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 everything you said. Perfect. Yeah. She's, she's pretty low on the totem pole. Yeah. She doesn't make it um, to the next round. She does not get to go to Los Angeles. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what do we think about Jason or not Jason as it, as it were in this movie? Um, I think that, being in the at first I was upset because like I said we weren't getting hottie hotter but and I I respect the fact that each person had a different way of portraying Jason even though it upset hotter you know like oh I wanted them to walk like me I wanted them to talk like me I wanted them to be like me they can't you know they physically cannot and you got to remember as we got from the very first person that was possessed is he was trying to, to keep control of his body in some sort of way he was trying to still come through so I think it made sense you know that these people could only do so much how they were portraying him they were basically being forced against their will to do something because Jason was willing it yes so I think it Uh, works I think it works too I mean I didn't mind it throughout the movie and when and it it makes it it's one of those things where you know absence makes the heart grow fonder when he comes back at the end you're like fuck yes yeah you know your heart is so happy it really was like a climactic you know okay you know he's here you know (laughs) I I I loved it I mean it it wasn't again it was pissing me off at first but when it happened I was like okay my heart's happy uh, best kill for me is the camper girl slides from the chest up through the soldier or shoulder through during sex because, I mean, a her boobs are out, so that's <laughs> automatically going to make me happy. But b it there in the uncut version there was a lot of gore in that scene and it is it is good stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. God, I am kind of sad to say, not a lot stuck out to me. I mean, they were pretty. Basic kills, knife in the back. I mean, 
I mean, I could understand somebody arguing for the face melting scene of the one person as they're like, is, you know, after their body is left, you know, for the Jason's already moved on to the next person and their, you know, body's just, you know, the disease has gotten into them and they're yeah. rotting away. That's a pretty cool looking yeah, scene, you know. That's true. Um, I don't know, man. I I guess also I'll have to remember go. also remember Shelby having his face melted off in a deep fryer. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's still uh, although, I don't know. It's still although that me. scene that scene was done better in Scream Queens, which I know we don't have the time to really do for this season, but I think that at some point in the future, even during another season, we should watch individual episodes and review because that show in the first season was actually pretty damn good. Okay. Uh, uh, and that brings up something, uh, you know, we, we can't spend too much time on, but I'm almost thinking that with Slasher being season being so big, I feel like we just need to go through to the end of the year and then restart the next season at the beginning in January. We very much could do that. That would be fine. And yeah. then, you know, I don't know if, I mean, there's, there are a couple of Christmas zombie movies. I think, what is it? Uh, Anna and the Apocalypse is kind of oh, yeah. one, but we can we can pick up with that in January if we want to and just kind of have a delayed Christmas zombie or something. If that or that, but. Christmas is at the end of December, so or towards the end of December, so we really could just start it at the very end. We know? could do that. But and then, I'm just saying that, that uh, you know, um, that, that show was really, you know, was really good. And, uh, Scream Queens was really good, and I – and, uh, I think that that scene where they the maid gets her face shoved in the deep fryer and it shows like the, I, it's funny that they could show that on TV when back in this time period they couldn't show this in movies. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, her face is just like melted off and it looks great in that TV show versus this one. But anyways, Shelby's is still kind of cool considering it's different. But. Yeah, I'm going to go with, with uh, Camper getting fucking slashed. I, it's it's one of the better ones. And yeah. also Best Boobs and Best Screams goes to that same girl, Deborah because she's, you know, she's obviously screaming because of the fact that she's, you know, being attacked. And her, you know, her boobs are hanging out. So yeah. there you go. Uh, best side character, Shelby. Uh, you know, got to give it to the, you know, that character. It's always fun to see, you know, the, that actor up yeah. here. And uh, I just, I, he's he's just, you know. Pleasant. He's just face. pleasant. Yes. Uh, Franklin Ward uh, goes to Joey because, uh, God, we wanted her dad so bad. Joey B. <laughs> I mean, I had this in here before you ever said it. Yeah. But yes, Joey B. Every time she's on screen, it's like, "Will you die already? You fucking yeah! You know, you're getting in the way of everything. You're not letting people explain anything. Uh, not even listening to your son, who for some reason has more fucking common sense than you. He makes good. Dis- well, he doesn't entirely make. He doesn't. He doesn't know any better. But he still. Despite not being as old and allegedly as wise as Joey, he he knows in, in his heart, like when he hands Stephen the keys, you know, he's like, here, take my car. He knows that he's a good person. Yes, that is true. Uh, and yeah, and I, I like the... Uh... I like the son way better than uh, than the mom in the movie. I mean, because like you said, he he's at least reasonable, and he you know he's trying his best to you know navigate this situation, even though his mom's like this just raging bitch. Yeah. You know, as it were. Uh, how annoying is New Prophet? It's Creighton Duke, and he he's weird. He's he's not he's not annoying. He's just weird. Like the the hand stuff, the uh, 
the thing about the uh, hot dog and the donut. Like, I mean, what? You're weird, dude. You're fucking weird. It is. It's it's creepy creeper ten, and it doesn't even feel like he's that instrumental. Uh, I don't feel like he's fully convinced. I mean, obviously, you know, Stephen has it, Steve has to realize through seeing Jason Voorhees and knowing what's going on that holy shit, this is happening. Uh, I don't feel like Creighton really was instrumental in forcing that. He told him about it and everything, but I don't, I don't know how convinced he was until he's like, oh my god, shit is going down, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's he's like a little he's a little too little too late at that point, and the only thing he does is lay out the rules. And again, where did you find this out? Why do you know any of this stuff? Why are you after Jay? You know, anyways, we we beat that horse oh, way past its death. So, anyways, uh, dumbest moment is Creighton refusing to offer Stephen any information about breaking his fingers after first massaging them because <laughs> it's weird and. Why? Just tell yeah. the fucking guy. Like, what? What is this? Why do you have to? Why? The, I tried in my mind to come up with some kind of headcanon for this scene. I'm like, okay, is he wanting Stephen to prove to him that he is tough enough to fight Jason? Meaning that he and and also that he's willing to do whatever it takes to defend the baby and the the baby mama. And uh, and you know by going through the pain of having his fingers broken, whenever he keeps saying you know keep you know I want the information that proves to Creighton that he's not like just some pansy that's going to die instantly. That could have been the thing, but like you have to really stretch to get to that point. Like I yeah, mean a lot. You will, and not only that, <laughs> wouldn't he be better use if he fucking had use of his hand? <laughs> he might not be able to be the one to kill Jason Voorhees. I get it. You're trying to be like, oh, well, you can't do it. Somebody else does. So I'm just going to make you useless. But he still has to survive to be able to tell her. He still has to help protect her. We don't know this, but common sense tells you if this man is going to even get to her, he has to be able to survive from this fucking crazy ass killer that you know cannot be killed. And furthermore... Wouldn't you, Creighton, have been better used if you weren't behind fucking bars because you decided to say creepy-ass shit and do creepy-ass shit to get yourself thrown back there? You could have eventually made them outside of jail and convinced them, hey, this sounds stupid as fuck, but you need to know this information. Do with it what you will. I gotta go because even I can't kill him. Yeah, I mean, I gave Andy uh, a lot of shit in the the in the cult of Chucky for you know his decision to get himself locked up in the mental institution in a padded room in order to yeah. somehow infiltrate it from the inside. But that was at least somewhat smarter than anything that Craig never yes, did in this movie because he knew that a Chucky doll was going to come for him, and he knew that that Chucky doll was going to be the one that he specifically. Yes. Had loaded a gun into exactly um my dumbest moment is gonna be when jessica kept fucking dropping the dagger and not able to get to it like a fucking child <laughs> i can't reach it i can't you gotta reach a little harder and he's right behind you just a little bit more yeah. just a little bit more it's i like can't do sitting. it you need to lift this what the fuck what are we doing here <laughs> do you want to die do you want your baby to be mouth raped by a fucking worm it's exactly it's it was such a throwback to those old like you know 
uh, I, I don't know how, I guess back in the sixties where every time a woman in a movie was running from anything, she would trip over her high heels and like yeah. fall. And then like for minutes lay there and like cry and say, please don't kill me before. And it's like, bitch, just get up, take your shoes off and run. Like it just be what? tripping over everything. <laughs> and here's the thing is like, where's your mama bear instinct? We've talked about it multiple times where you get this, when you, no, your child is in danger. Or even if it's just someone you love, but more so than anything, your child, your, and not just any child, an infant, a useless infant, you, you better fucking t- tight end that shit, okay? Get your shoulder, put your shoulder into it, and get that fucking thing out of the way so you can get the dagger, so you can stab him. You shouldn't, she shouldn't have even needed Steve's help. A real mama bear would have fucking made that shit happen because superhuman strength, not even supernatural strength, actual superhuman strength of I'm in danger and so is my baby. I don't care if I die, but my child's going to live. Where the fuck was that? It was nowhere in this film from anyone. In fact, if anything, Joey cared more about that baby than these two fucking loser ass parents. She, did, she actually did. She had mama bear energy yes. when her kid. You're not going to go anywhere um, near that goddamn baby. You know, you want you want to know a movie that that we're going to cover that actually shows Mama Bear energy, even when the person doesn't realize they are the Mama Bear, is uh, the Final Girls. Oh yeah, I they're, haven't seen it, but the, the most emotional scene in that movie uh, has Mama Bear energy without being Mama Bear energy. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover it when we get to it. But yes, that is a thing, though. <laughs> that is a thing. You sometimes Mama Bears. Hey, look, even in the wild, Mama Bears—not just bears, but you know, mother animals—take over animals that aren't even the same species. You know, for some reason, they're just like, "I'm going to take this on and I'm going to raise it." You know, it's weird, but it happens. Uh, so. Before we move on from this movie, it's one of the most hated. Uh, I would <laughs> say probably part eight is worse as far as the hate. Uh, but people are coming around on both of them. I personally thought both of them were fine. Like if if, if this in part eight, they're not they're not the they're not landmarks of cinema. But like if you're watching these, you know, Friday the Thirteenth films, Jason films, whatever you because it's kind of transition here. Uh, they are perfectly fine movies. They're 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 entertaining. Uh, part seven is a swing and a miss. Just be and it sucks because it had so much potential. Yeah. Uh, but a, a script doctor could have fixed it. Uh, possibly with better casting could have fixed it too. But these were fine. Like I don't like. I mean, and. I, and I'm saying that as a person who didn't like them as, when I was younger. I didn't. I didn't like either one of these movies. Like, I would skip over them when I would watch any of these movies. You're talking about uh, Nine and X? Uh, no. Well, actually, we'll get to that about okay. X. But I'm talking about Eight and, and Nine. Okay. I, I, I was just like, okay. I I saw Eight. It was fine. You know, whatever. I've actually grown to really, really like Eight because of the 80s nostalgia and everything yeah. else. Nine has got some fun stuff in it, and yeah. I like what they did. Like, like what they did. I've, I've, I've changed my mind on it. I don't. It's not like. Don't get me wrong. It's not top of my list. And I would rate the worst Chucky movie way over any of these movies. Just these two. Just still to this yeah. day. Uh, because even Seed is way more entertaining than either one of these movies. If you're going to go back and watch it, but you know, that's just my thoughts. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to say about them before we move on? About eight and nine. Yes. This is my first time watching them. 
honestly. So I can't and, say how I felt when I was younger. I can only say how I feel now. And I, I feel like your pro, your feelings are probably where I was at when I first saw. Yeah. But go ahead and you know say that. You yeah. Know, what, you know it. Um. I I don't know. I. I there's definitely parts to enjoy. I feel like probably like I can't, when I was younger, I didn't continue series. I didn't be like, Oh, you know, this is, I really liked the earlier Jason's. I liked the classics, you know, I, I got through the classics and then I didn't continue on. I think I was convinced like in the nineties, maybe even no nineties, mostly the nineties that they were only going to be bad. So I didn't watch them. Uh, and so I, like I said, I don't have that child version of it. But it is weird. The only thing I can compare to is I have kids who actually watch these multiple times prior to me watching them. And for some reason, I have one kid that likes the originals, and I have one kid that likes kind of more the uh, newer versions of them, if you will. So 90s and up. Uh, doesn't hate the originals, but doesn't love them as much as they like, you know, going forward, which we're kind of already into at this point. Um, and I can't get any good reasonings from them why either so i'm just gonna have to go with they're good for what they give us um and i like a specific kind of thing sometimes uh, we're just gonna have to keep reviewing before i really give you the idea of how i felt about them i think okay that's fine uh like i said i i've changed my mind so it's interesting hearing somebody from the other side where i would have been at if yeah you asked me this even 10 years ago i'd been like fuck no those movies are awful you know like but yeah. I don't feel that way about I them I think now, the problem know? with New York or Manhattan is that it, there wasn't enough Manhattan. Uh, and it was like, I, there was a lot of things of what is the meaning of this. So I think that's why I didn't like that one that much. And I told you I deserve having my time given back to me, you know? Yes. Some kind yes. of time compensation. <laughs> All right. Let's go into the one that I've... I didn't like this one at all upon, uh, you know, my first watch. I'll just don't say that either. And when was your uh, first watch? Uh, I watched this one. I want to say I might have even seen it in the theaters. Okay. Uh, Jason X, 2001. If I didn't see it, I saw it shortly thereafter at Blockbuster uh, as a rental. That was a thing that existed before Netflix, folks. It's, I'm old. I'm oh, an old now. Blockbuster, the good old days. <laughs> I would die for the opportunity to be able to take my kids to a Blockbuster just once to be able to pick out the films that they want to watch, some popcorn, maybe some candy, and be threatened that if you don't return this uh, rental back, you know, within X amount of time, we are going to charge you up the yin-yang. You will fucking pay. Well, if I could roll back time and bring back video lineup uh, that was ran by Tony back home in you know my hometown, then I would do that because that was a lot better setup. But he got most of my money from me renting uh, Monster Squad. So oh yeah. Uh, but anyways, Jason X from two thousand one tagline: Evil gets an upgrade. Not mm -hmm. bad. Okay. Directed by James Isaac, written by Todd Farmer and Victor Miller. Todd Farmer. Uh, wrote a little bit movie called My Bloody Valentine 3D. Never heard that's, of it. That starred Jensen Ackles, <sighs> who you've also never heard of. No. And Todd Farmer was in his own movie and in this movie that he also made. Uh, you remember him from My Bloody Valentine 3D. He was the trucker that was with the hoe bag that ran around topless uh, outside oh, around yeah. the semi truck. Yeah, oh, that my was God. that's that's Todd Farmer. Anyways, okay, and now I know who he is in this care in this film. 
Yes, he's Dallas. The you know the the I want to call him uh, poor man's um, oh, uh, Steve. Uh, oh, I know you're talking about uh, the the wrestler. Yeah, uh, Cold Stone uh, Steve my, Austin. Yeah, Steve Austin. Yeah, he he looks like a poor man's version of him. Is what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, music by Harry Manfredini, budget of $14 million. It made 17.1. So this one barely squeaked out a profit. And if it was very, if they even halfway uh, advertised this movie, it probably didn't make a, but, uh, you know, a profit. But, okay. You know. But, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you think it bombed because people went to the theaters and they were like, holy shit, don't do it. If you love yourself. Don't watch this movie because, th- you know. I th- you know, I think two things hurt it. Word of mouth and Jason Goes to Hell. I think both of them hurt it. There was a lot of people that did not like Jason Goes to Hell. They liked that ending, but they didn't like the rest of the movie. <sighs> the only part of Jason Goes to Hell when I watched that in the theater that people freaked out about and loved was that last scene with the hand, God, you know, Jason, coming yeah. out. Yeah, well, I saw that. I was... I don't know. Jason Goes to Hell would have been like, oh, my God, I'm not going to tell you, but you need to go watch this. Wait for it. You will see it towards the end. You're going to love it. You know, because that turned, well, no, because then you also get hotty hotter at the end. So that's what made it good for me at the end, you know. I don't know. And, yeah, that. but that one really soured a lot of people because they were like, he wouldn't even fucking end the movie. And then whenever they said he was going to space, people were like, going to space what the fuck is up with these people they're fucking are, are you serious and yes it's it was the thing and and i i'm almost positive i rented this i don't think that i actually watched this in theaters but, okay so uh, we anyways. knew so back in the day you knew that jason was going to space from the previews yes oh no from the trailer they they it was in the trailer it is no. <laughs> if I had not known the okay, I knew there was a movie where Jason went to space and thank God for my terrible memory. Look, my memory is so not great. I could plan my own surprise party, okay? But I'm just saying that you and Noah both warned me that there is a Jason in space movie and I, I didn't know which one it was. So all I know is that I'm watching Jason X and I'm like, oh, this must be the space one. So I didn't know going into this until shit happens, which we'll get into. Had I known with the trailer, I would have come into this movie with so much more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I would have been grim about it from the beginning. You would have been very biased against Oh, yeah, 100%. So I'm glad my brain didn't allow me to remember that information. I would have been so upset as a moviegoer knowing yeah, I think that's the reason I didn't watch it because I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" This they've jumped the, jumped the fucking shark with this one. Uh, principal players: We have Alexa Doig uh, playing uh, Rowan Lafontaine, uh, who is the survivor of the Lake uh, Crystal Lake Research Facility. Which uh, Alexa Doig? She was hot. Yes, she was hot. Yes, uh, she's also in the Chucky TV series. Oh, okay. Uh, and she was in Andromeda, and she's not the only person from this uh, actual movie that was in Andromeda. Okay. Uh, uh, Chuck Campbell uh, plays uh, Sunaran, who's the engineer. 
uh, he makes the hot Android, and he was in Urban Legends Final Cut and in the in the Mouth of Madness, which is a great Yo, film. Oh yes, it <laughs> is. Where does that go again? That almost goes into uh, uh, Lovecraft. Yeah, Lovecraft again. Okay. Or well, technically, it could be the film if we do Masters of Horror and we do Lovecraft slash King. It could be the branch between them because it's technically a film about a character about a writer who's very much like Stephen King, but the movie plays out like a Lovecraft movie, so it's kind of like a mix between the two. Okay. Anyways, Lisa Ryder plays KM14, who is the android, so the hottie, weird. the hottie android that I was speaking about earlier. I'm gonna say it right now. I did not like her titties. Uh, they had perfect nipple placement after he. <laughs> I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> Uh, that's actually a line, though, that one of the characters in the remake uses, and I yeah. love it, but we'll get to it. Uh, she was the other one from Andromeda, and actually, they were both on a tight uh, schedule because they were both set to film Andromeda, her and Lexa Doig, so they had to, uh, they, 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 they had to wrap this movie around those two uh, actresses scheduled for another series, based, or another movie, or whatever. So. Yeah. Uh, also in Forever Night, uh, which was a uh, a weird 90s, I believe it was 90s, like a uh, late night show about a, a detective who was a vampire. It was it was kind of interesting for its time. And then she's also in the new TV show From, uh, which is on Paramount Plus, I believe, uh, or MGM. I think it's MGM Plus. You need to watch that. That show is good, like you know really good. Yeah, my husband um, told me about it, and he's like, you need to watch this. Is this? Oh, I think I think I've seen most of season one. Um, it's the people that get trapped in like this. It's like a post-apocalyptic town or something. Yeah, yeah and, and other people get there, and you get trapped. You can't leave. And the creatures that come out at night are like they they have like these demonic-looking faces. I mean, well, I haven't seen the they, creatures. They look like, I've not they seen look them like yet. No, they look like normal people, but then like whenever <gasps> they start to. Uh, change they they they're really fucking creepy. Oh, I just seen a ooh, and I don't know why I haven't watched this because maybe because it kind of terrifies me a little bit. Um, it, I've only it, made it actually, to the middle. It's actually scary in parts. It's good. Yeah, no, and it's just this it, everything's so intense, literally so intense. I think that's what threw me off when I was watching. Um, what is the uh one with uh daddy in it? Um. The TV show. <laughs> Who's Daddy? Uh, what's his you're... name from the? God, what can I think about right now? The that Hispanic character that fucking took off. Um, God, Mandalorian. Oh, you're talking about Pedro Pascal, yes. The Walking Dead, or I mean the the Last of Us. The Last of Us. There we go. Yeah. I, I think the intensity of literally first season, just fucking, I, or not first season, first episode. I think I watched. Second episode, and I was like, nope, I can't fucking do this. And I think that's what I did with From. It's so fucking intense. I don't know that my little heart can handle it. <laughs> it's for people who really want a good scary show. It's yeah, actually really good. I recommend it 13 out of 10, but I can't handle it. Uh, Kane Hodder is back for the last time. What? As as Jason Voorhees. Poor Kane. He really just got the short end of the stick with some of these movies, you know? Yeah, he's the best Jason in the worst films. Yes! Uh, which I, there's people who love this film, and I'm going to throw them out there, and I'm not name-calling or anything. Uh, Cody uh, <laughs> actually 
he he likes this movie, but you got to remember he is a he's young, way younger than us, and so like the, he grew up on this versus growing up on the originals. Leave Cody so alone. Not, you don't get to attack I, our listeners. I'm not attacking. I'm saying that he has appreciation for it that I'll never have because I didn't see it. I don't have that nostalgia for it. Okay. I'll just throw that out there. Um, uh, so Jason in this movie is the cyborg nanite infused uh, zombie slasher. Uh, uh, that's that's a lot, but he is. I need uh, you to help me out real quick because obviously they're doing. She's looking at she's looking at him. What I thought was under a microscope. Did she do something to him before he murdered the main, the first fucking scientist or whatever student? No, she okay. did not do anything to him. He he's basically they established that his regeneration ability is off the charts just naturally. Okay, and yes. that's the reason they wanted to study him at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and you know, and then you know things go to hell. But then, like, you get that regeneration ability, plus the fact that the nanites. Uh, come in there and like add up like cyber, you know, like synthetic upgrades to his body that makes him even tougher. And it's like you got an unstoppable killer at that point. Like, I mean, what what are you going to do to him? You you need Tina to come back somehow from the past. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Geddes plays Private Johnson. Uh, you have David Cronenberg. That name should ring a bell for horror fans. Playing Doctor Aloysius uh, Wimmer, uh, who wants to study Jason's regenerative powers. David Cronenberg is the the director who brought us the classics: The Fly, History of Violence, Crimes of the Future, The Dead Zone, Videodrome, Rabid, etc., etc., etc. You know the term Cronenberg whenever you think of films where people have body parts that become like basically uh, te- vaginas with teeth or whatever that he, he does that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, Marcus Perillo plays uh, or Prio, however he says his name, Sergeant Marcus, who's a military aide to transport Jason. Christy Angus plays Adrian Thomas Hart, the new Harvard intern. Uh, Yanni Gelman plays Stoney Zachary, uh, who's a uh, new Harvard student and a uh, boyfriend of Kenza. Uh, Dov Tefferback plays Azriel Ben Ruby, who's a ditzy child prodigy from uh, New ha- uh, New Harvard. Uh, Todd Farmer, you know the one we talked about, plays Dallas Opus. Dallas Repo- Opus. Dallas Opus, Republican, New Texas Security. Oh God. Uh, he's uh, like I said, the writer for My Bloody Valentine 3D, and played the naked truck driver. Uh, he was also the writer for Drive Angry, which I've heard is a damn good film, if uh, schlocky but damn good with uh, Amber Turd and Amber our boy Turd. Nicholas Cage, uh, and uh, the Messengers, and a movie called Trick. Uh, Thomas Sanuik plays uh, Sven uh, Katzjevi, uh, who's an ex-grunt. Uh, Steve Lacusco uh, plays Private Ken Condor Clune, who's a security grunt. A bunch of security grunts in this movie, folks. Amanda Brugel plays Gecko Chavez, another one of those. Uh, she's in the movie Becky, which I've heard really good things about, and Revenge of Becky is supposed to be pretty good, and I mean to watch those here soon. Becky with the uh, good hair. I'm just kidding. Yes. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale and Infinity Pool. Uh, Barna Monix plays Kicker Dunn, who's another security grunt. Dylan Burke, uh, Blurt plays uh, Briggs Velasquez, who's another security grunt. Boyd Banks plays Lewis Fat Lou Goddard, who's the pilot of the Grendel, which is the ship they're on. Uh, you'll recognize him at, from the Dawn of the Dead movie in 2004. He's the one that's got that... Uh, 
and I don't know how anybody, I, we'll get to this again when we discuss Dawn the Dead remake, which is a damn good movie. So I'm throwing it out there first. That fat woman that comes oh, in. Oh, I don't want to talk about rescue, it. <laughs> uh, he is the husband of that fat woman in the Ooh. movie, just so to give you a look. But he was also in George Romero's Land of the Dead. Yeah. He played one of the zombies in that movie. Uh, Hellmouth, Silent Hill Revelation, Stripperland, which is a. Stripperland's a weird fucking B movie uh, that I'll probably cover during zombie season. Basically, the zombie virus turns everybody into strippers, uh, especially women. Uh, but they're undead strippers that want to eat your, you know, body parts. Okay, so, but you know. here's the thing: is if I become a stripper zombie, will my knees be able to still support me? Like, <laughs> I'll be uh, dead. I won't be able to feel it, but they're still falling apart. So, like. <laughs> You, in that movie, they would, and you would make sure that you would dress as slutty as possible with thigh-high boots uh, because that's what they do. Like, if they get bit, a woman gets bit, suddenly she finds, uh, she strips down the, basically like her lingerie-looking stuff, showing all of her goods, and she's got on thigh-highs and whatever else you'd figure a stripper would have because that's how the movie's set up. You I don't know what? Any woman can do that, and there is literally, <laughs> there is someone that's going to look at you and fucking fucking wink to it okay it's fine uh he was also an american psycho two all-american girls so anyways boyd banks has been in a ton of horror movies wow uh J jonathan potts plays professor professor braithwaite low uh who's the professor at new harvard and again the smart people in these movies are scumbags because yes. not only do we have david cronenberg's uh horrible doctor who gets everything started in the facility under crystal lake but this professor basically wants to sell jason to the highest bidder and he doesn't care who dies in order for him to get profit off of it you know what though <laughs> i, I want to be mad at him uh he he has no idea what he's up against he has no fucking idea that is true. He's in 24, 55, or whatever yeah. the year is. He has no idea. Everything they've heard of of Jason before is a rumor. Like, it's just, yeah. it's like old Star Wars lore, you know? <laughs> I can't think of old Star Wars lore without that video I sent you about uh, Ben Kenobi telling Luke about Ahsoka Tano and how she was basically passed back and forth between him uh. and Vader. It's... <laughs> it's probably not entirely true there's a lot of fucking uh, uh, not so much vader but definitely anakin like they legit like in some of the uh, well he said anakin he didn't say okay anakin, so yeah. yeah that that that's a thing so uh let's see philip williams plays trevor crutch crutchfield who's grendel's engineer and just a fat ass that that basically is gross i mean there's yeah. not much to say about him melody johnson plays kira kensa cooper uh a new harvard uh, student and girlfriend of stoney uh derwin jordan plays uh, ryan waylander who's a new harvard student melissa aid uh plays uh janessa zachary who's a new harvard student and sister to stoney and then finally peter mensa plays sergeant elijah brodsky who is a security leader and a badass yeah because he dies, but he doesn't, and then he comes back, and then he takes Jason out, or does he? So there yeah. you go. Synopsis. In the futuristic year of 2010. <laughs> <laughs> 
Some shady government agency holds the body of Jason in the year 2000. Anyways, some shady government agency holds the body of Jason Voorhees in an underground complex beneath Crystal Lake. They are conducting experiments on the superhuman slasher and debating on putting him into cryogenic containment. Things go awry when a scientist tries to transfer him for regenerative tissue studies, and Jason almost escapes. Skip ahead a few centuries, and the Earth is a wasteland that people from Earth 2 take field trips to study. Jason is found during one of these excursions and all hell breaks loose when he thaws out on the ship bodies are crushed an android is upgraded for battle and uber jason is born welcome to the future of horror <laughs> body count this 25 count. Let's get, get this <laughs> get we are never going to surpass this as a kill count so just clock this write it down and and note that officially twenty thousand people are killed by Jason in this movie. How do we math this? There was at least there was nineteen some thousand that were on that <gasps> that space colony that he when he killed the pilot indirectly caused all to die because the pilot the then the ship crashed into it and caused it to blow up. Okay, no, no, that was an accident. Somebody didn't. <laughs> Because he would never. There's 207. First of all, where did you get this count? Because the 207 dogs, where did that come from? Uh, that's how many dogs were on the, that space colony. He would never hurt the dogs. He didn't know they were there. He was the cause of their death. So Accidentally. If he knew they were there, he would have made sure they escaped before he, you know, acted out his revenge on whoever the hell he's trying to kill. He killed Fat Lou, and that's what caused all this. So That is true. Know. So it's Fat Lou's fault is what you're saying. <laughs> sure. If you have to sleep if to sleep better at night, if that's what you've got to tell yourself, then yes. Yeah. Uh, so we got Private Johnson being killed <laughs> off screen. Uh, body found chained up. Hopefully is Private Johnson, uh, or Johnson's privates wasn't messed up in the process. Uh, guard one, uh, was bludgeoned in the head. Guard two was choked and shot to death. Guard three was choked with a chain. Guard four was smacked in the face. Uh, and if you get smacked in the face by Jason, you're pretty much dead. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a punch. You're going to uh, die. Dr. Wimmer is impaled through the back. Sergeant Marcus is thrown through a door. Uh, and I guess that kills him. You know, if we don't see him again. Uh, Adrian is a face. Uh, we skip ahead. 2000 or you know 400 years or whatever uh adrian has her face frozen and smashed to pieces she's the intern in the lab that's studying his uh cells whenever he comes through that's sick uh, uh that's a pretty fucking yeah. good kill uh stone stony is stabbed in the gut Azrael has his back broken over a knee uh dallas has his head crushed against the wall uh Sven has his neck snapped solid snake style, according to the Dead Meat Wiki. Uh, Condor is impaled onto a giant floor screw and then rotates down the screw, which is a pretty cool effect. I kind of like that. Uh, Gecko has his throat slit. Kicker is cut in half, uh, literally cut in half. Yeah. Uh, Briggs is impaled onto a spike chandelier uh, or just like a bunch of like, I don't know why those spikes were in their hold, but they were, and that's what happens. Uh, Lou is slashed off screen, body found in pieces. Uh, Professor Lowe is decapitated off screen after he brags to everybody that he gave Jason his hockey, his uh, machete back. Uh, stupid move, yeah. buddy. Uh, uh, Crutch has his head bashed, uh, electrocuted. Kenza accidentally blows herself up. 
she gets the Death Holler Award for sure for both being the most annoying character in this mm-hmm. movie and the dumbest mistake. Yes. Just throwing that out there. Uh, and probably the dumbest mistake in total because of how she goes out because she didn't have to kill herself, but she did. Uh, Waylander purposely blows himself up. Uh, Janessa is sucked through a grate and in kind of a scene that reminds me of the end of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street whenever uh, uh, Nancy's mom gets pulled back through the door and, you know, looks like a, uh, uh, you know, one of those blown up sex dolls or whatever. Uh, that's kind of what happens to uh, Janessa anyways. Uh, I love these kills in this movie, and they do trump the one from Seven, although the one from Seven's real and this isn't. The two virtual girls <laughs> that are all about smoking weed and getting, you know, having, having sex. unprotected sex. Yes, uh, are getting smacked against each other to death in sleeping bags. Yes. Uh, and Sergeant Brodsky goes out like a badass and uh, grabs on to Jason and gets launched in the atmosphere, and they both burn up, or do they? You know, that's the question. Yeah. Uh, non-count of death, virtual alien creature, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is this is according to the writer of the movie, so he would know. 9,727 people uh, were on that uh, colony, 207 dogs, 17 cats, 4,713 angelfish, guppies, neons, and mollies, three gerbils, 14 rats, a pony, and a Komodo dragon. They're all blown up, so no, there you go. It was he an accident. He killed a pony. It was an accident. It's fucking Fat Lou's fault. Todd Farmer confirmed this, and he would know. He wrote the th- fucking thing, so. <laughs> I don't think Todd Farmer knows. <laughs> he knows. Uh, Jason Voorhees has his arm shot off, kicked through wall, legs shot off, electrocuted, shot in heart, and his head shot off, but he does. He probably doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of unnamed uh, students and crew members of the Grendel that, you know, were also on there. We don't ever see them, so my, I don't know if they lived or not, and but the whole thing blew up, so who knows. And then uh, Uber Jason is incinerated upon impact, but is he really? So, you know, there's that. Uh, other taglines, this Halloween, meet the perfect 10 in terror. No. Welcome to the future of horror. He's been drowned, chainsawed, knifed, axed, hammered, shocked, burned, spiked, nailed, shot, and frozen. Now he's back for more. It, I mean, look, it, it makes sense, but it's a, it's a TLDR. Yes. Uh, quotes. I had to put the virtual yes. teens on this. Hey, do you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? Or we can have premarital sex. And they both pull their tops off, and they've got some nice tatas. Yes. Uh, we love premarital sex. Yes, premarital. I said unprotected. That was premarital. Well, it's still, it's, it's yes. not, it's not serving the Reagan purpose of, you know, propagating a family in a, in a married setting. So yeah. you need to die. Uh, Brodsky, it's going to take more than a poke in the ribs, put down this old dog. Ooh. Jason stabs him again. Yeah. Yep, that, that ought, ought to do, do it. it. <laughs> That's a good fucking lie. Yeah. I, I cracked up when I heard that. Sometimes they were literally asking for what they were about to get. Yeah, they they were. Uh, uh, Perez, uh, Jason Voorhees, he killed nearly 200 people and simply disappeared without a trace. This is that uh, one guy that the professor was talking to over a video call, yes. by the way. Uh, under the right buyer, he could be worth a fortune. And Professor Lowe, we've got him frozen right here on the ship. And Dr. Perez, you worked up a list of ownership? Uh, Lowe, no list. He's my fine. He's He's mine. Uh, Perez, what about students? And this shows how scummy low is. They're students. The educational experience will be enough. That's a thing. 
they do that. Yes. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, and this, this line, uh, between low, Oh, you want your machete? <laughs> Shit. It's yours. Take it. Just remember who got it back for you. <laughs> and then Jason stares at him and he calls out to everybody else. Who's already locked on the other side of a, a containment door. Guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. <laughs> Uh, Azrael. Oh shit. I forgot my arm. Janessa hands him his arm. Yeah. Here you go. Dumbass. Yeah. Uh, fat Lou kids and their goddamn field trips. Let's bring the psycho on board. Yeah, sure. I just know I'm going to get blamed for this shit. Yeah. Fat Probably. Lou, you're right. Yeah, you are. And it's uh, your just- fault that those animals died. <laughs> Todd Farmer says otherwise. Okay. Uh, Janessa, I'm real bitchy when I wake up. Sunarin, did, did you, you just, just wake, wake up? up? That, that's good. That's, that was that's a, good a good one. Yeah. That's a good fucking line. Didn't miss a beat either. <laughs> Brodsky, I promised Professor that we take this guy alive. After you blow him out of hell, put one in his leg so we can tell the Professor we tried. What the hell? <laughs> uh, he's basically saying they're going to kill Jason anyways. That he, you know, I, so I appreciate him being, you know, honest and going after him. So here's how this fits in the timeline. Friday, August 13th, 2010, Jason is being held in an undisclosed location under Crystal Lake and being prepped for a cryogenic freezing. When a government official tries to transfer him for, from that facility to another one for medical study, he breaks free and nearly kills everyone. He's tricked into the cryogenic pod and frozen by the head researcher, Rowan LaFontaine, before she's mortally wounded and frozen herself. Skip ahead to wait, 20. Wait, wait, wait. wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. She was mortally wounded? Oh, yeah, because she had to get regenerated by the fake Bacta tank that they created. Yes, yes. Okay. That's the only reason she's still alive, yes. Uh, Friday, August 13th, 2455. So we're, you know, way in the future now. A group of students from Earth 2 are taking a field trip to the desolate remains of OG Earth when they stumble upon the cryogenic chamber with Jason and Rowan. They take both back to their ship to Grand Ole and begin traveling back to Earth 2. Rowan is saved by nanite technology, and Jason's regenerative abilities quickly kick in once unthawed. Uh, usual death and destruction occurs until the last member of the security upon the ship ejects both him himself, uh, himself and Jason into space. They seemingly burn up in the atmosphere of Earth 2. All right. The movie review. Visuals. Um, this isn't... For most of these horror movies that go to space, uh, they, they usually, like, you know... And, and this movie gets away with it a little bit. They usually do the cheapo thing where they show a bunch of, like, you know... Uh, you know, hallways that are made to look up like they're futuristic. And this does do that, but it doesn't look as cheap as some of the ones like say leprechaun in space or anything like that. So they did okay with the visuals and I, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, but, but Uber Jason does look kind of cool. I think so. With a Chrome mask and everything and the red eyes. Uh, And by the way, his other eyes back after the nanites repaired it. I don't know if you noticed that, but he's got two eyes when he's Uber Jason again. Uh, yeah. They finally repaired the one eye that Corey Feldman took out. So, uh, what do you think about the visuals of the movie? Did they were they cheesy? Were they whatever? I mean, were they were they decent for what they had? What did you think about it? Hold on one minute. I'm going back to the timeline <laughs> before we get to the visuals. Uh, I have pulled up on Google the year 2455. August 13th is a Friday. I have confirmed. <laughs> back to the uh, visuals sorry the only movie that doesn't get the timeline right on the the which one's a friday the 13th is the remake and there's some debate on whether it's just a year removed from when they say it is in the movie okay so. but yeah i think that is 
fucking hilarious that they did exactly what I did. I don't know if they Googled it or they're like, okay, we're going to go year, you know, 2455. What day is Friday the 13th? Yeah, it's in August. That's that's a thing. Um, okay, uh, to this movie, in terms of the visuals and everything, I thought it looked good. Um, I mean, the, the film that they had it on was amazing. It looked great in HD, you know? Yes. Um, lighting was everything you expect from a futuristic film. I even like the look of one of my favorite scenes. So the hot uh, uh, scientist at the beginning when she, her and Jason get, you know, frozen. Uh, yes. That, Rowan. I, I yeah. believe. Was that an accident? I thought that was an accident. Because she was like, oh, no, when she saw that it was being frozen. Or was she nervous because she didn't think Jason made it in time? Uh, she's saying, oh, no, because she got locked in there. Okay. Because, uh, and, and, and the thing was, is the reason she got locked in there is because he was able to puncture through his pod and stab into her, mortally wounding her, yeah. but then also releasing the cryogenic gas into the room itself. And yes. that caused the room, it's the, the whole room to lock down because it's, it sensed the gas leak basically okay. or whatever it was. Wait, okay. That, that makes sense. I wasn't sure about that, but as she's freezing, it's focusing on her face and it shows her basically get frozen. And I thought the look of it was very impressive. It's Yeah, it's a pretty good scene with her freezing. It is, yeah. Okay. At some point, I apparently missed her getting mortally wounded. Although, when they show her body, when they find them frozen, she is. And they specifically say she's wounded, you know? Uh, the nanites uh, are CG, and they look a little wonky, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. I've seen worse CG in movies. Yeah, it is uh, what it is. Cough, cough, house on Haunted Hill, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it's okay. Um, yeah. I, I think they did a pretty good job with it. I mean, it does it kind of look like a sci-fi channel original mm -hmm. that would be filmed today? Yes, but this was, uh, you know, however many years ago now that this came out. So, I mean, for the time, it, it's not got bad, uh, you know, visual effects or anything, or, or even the design of the stuff doesn't look that bad considering, I mean, you know, the, the cost of everything at that time. Yeah. Uh, the story, I mean, if you're, if you're going to take him into space, it's not a bad story. I mean, the fact that they, they figure out who he is, the fact that there's actually a market for him, given the fact that he was a notorious slasher that yeah. never, you know, I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, I like the fact that the grunts, you know, uh, you know, that were hired for the ship or whatever, they do what you would think a grunt would do. And they would go to protect the kids instead of trying to look out for themselves. I mean, yeah. they're like, you, you stay here. We're going to contain this, uh, fat, you know, the, the writing for fat Lou, like he's all about himself. I mean, being the pilot, he would be, yeah. um, it, it's, it's pretty good writing for it. I mean, like, and, and the characters, at least some of them have decent enough personalities that we don't get the seven effect where it's like, they're all just, you know, you know, wet blankets just waiting, you know, for to die or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a few non namers in there, but like, you know, it, there's a few standouts like Brodsky, uh, the, uh, Android, Sunarin, uh, Rowan herself. They, they all stand out. Rowan's Rowan's actually a pretty good final girl. I mean, you know, uh, when it's all said, she doesn't take Jason out, Yeah. but I mean, she, She's got the, uh, she's got mama bear energy without being mama bear. Cause she actually is trying to get those kids off that ship. Yes. So, I mean, uh, I, I, I honestly, I mean, and, and the music's pretty good too. I mean, as far as that goes, it's uh, decent. I mean, it, it just, it, it serves the, the purpose. Time. It's yeah. not like great. Uh, 
I don't, I don't have, I, I didn't originally like this movie when it came out, but I, it's, I, it's, it's a decent watch now. Like I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, I actually, so the, <laughs> there's a problem with this movie that will definitely real La Arena in. And the problem, which was a plus for me is this movie does not fuck around. Action is happening from the minute it starts. Yes, and when that first when that first person moves over there to look at Jason all tied up, and then he come and then he's gone. Like the next time he looks around, it it's it's on. Yeah, and then, uh, it, it, yeah, and so I was like, the first thing I wrote down because I took notes as I was watching these films of things that immediately caught my attention. I was like, this movie's fucking awesome because it immediately got into the slashing and the gore. Uh, I mean, literally, one of the kids is like, ups, not obsessed, but he's upset kind of by the look of Jason. So he throws a blanket over him. And when the hot fucking scientist comes to kind of see what's going on, she notices no one's really around. And she goes to check, oh, is this still Jason Voorhees? She pulls it down, and it's actually the kid that covered him. Jason had slashed him and put him in his place. Yes. It, which, oh, my God. I was like, this is sick. You know, so I was right off the bat, I was having a good time with it. Uh, The things that I didn't like, which was probably the only good thing for most people watching this movie, depending on what you're into, is uh, the students, to me, were were dumb. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of kids, you know. But why do they have these kids dressed like sluts? I understand it's the future. (laughs) They're all literally dressed like whore slaves. Uh, yeah, especially, uh, Adrian or whatever. Like she, like I noticed, like, and she even mentions it. Uh, she calls it out. The actress who plays Adrian, uh, still, still looker, by the way. Uh, she, she's like, yeah, I'm this, uh, this intern, you know, doing all sciencey stuff. Some reason I'm in a half top. Don't know why that's standard yes. uniform for an intern. And I'm like, good on you for calling yes. that shit out. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. I mean, all gorgeous beautiful people or women you know because the guys are dressed normally you know we would never slut them up <laughs> I, well, I don't... now now to be fair the female grunts are not dressed slutty no uh, but no, they're no. and they're kind of uggos too to be honest oh, pff, the mean. uggos yeah they have the basic and they're not even ugly they're just not as hot yeah, they're not as hot as the the students for sure. Oh my god! So that was one thing that I was like, "This is fucking stupid." Uh, I thought that the um, the android chick was dumb. She reminded me a little bit of oh, why did she remind me? I just got vibes from that space film with Bruce Willis in it. Um, God, hold on. Are you? Are, are you let's see. The Fifth Element for some reason. Oh, okay. Mila Jovovich character. Yeah, I kind of got Fifth Element. Uh, Now, I I have not, I've only seen the Fifth Element in like chunks, or at least I only remember it in chunks. I've seen it multiple times, but I don't think I've seen it all the way through beginning to end. I've like caught it in chunks or watched it, walked away, watched (laughs) it, walk away, you know, whatever. It's a good movie. I I just, I can't give you an exact storyline. But for some reason, I, I feel like they were trying to have some kind of vibe like that, which wouldn't make sense, because what year was this movie made? You're asking a lot here. It's been it's been a minute. I, I know. Uh, hold on. Oh, I, I went way too far back. 
Uh, yeah, I did too. Uh, two thousand one. Oh, okay. A space Odyssey. Well, a couple years. Which is funny. Which is funny because that's what it was—a space odyssey. Which is funny because I mean, Fifth Element was nineteen ninety-seven, so they might have been like, "Whoa, this was a big hit. Let's do something not exactly like it," because obviously, clearly, does not resemble. You know, the Fifth Element. It just had these weird vibes, especially with that girl android. Uh, she was also annoying too. I don't like how they made her like this sex android. They're well, she had it. she had a little bit of that going on, and she was also very perky. It was just like, all right, Jason, time to take you out, you know. And yeah. then, like, there's that one scene where he stabs her, and she acts like she's dead, and then somebody comes up and does something. And she's like, "Oops, I'm not. You not got me yet." And, you yeah. Know, and then she, you know, and it's it, so she she's a little yeah yeah she can be a little too much. So I I kind of didn't like that, but everything else I was kind of having a good time. I really like when they they were in the simulator. Yeah, the simulator is pretty cool. The simulator was hilarious. It was cool because of what they got to kill, you know. And I'll be honest, the simulator, the first time I watched it through, was my favorite part. I was like, I like the fact that they were self-aware enough to where they put that scene in, into it. You know, Which one? The, Are you talking about with Jason in it the first time? The one where he's got the two hotties or whatever, oh, and he's like bashing them together. That was hilarious. So, okay, <laughs> there was the one where he was in with the two guys, and he kills them, but he didn't oh, yeah. really kill them. I fucking love that. I was like, God, that was super fast. I was like, but why and, are they and, still talking? And if you'll notice uh, Kane Hodder's acting in that scene, he gets really pissed off, and he or he doesn't get pissed off. He's like looking at him. He's like, why are you not fucking dead? Yeah. Like, you know, he, he's he got was that confused. look about him. I mean, to be fair, I was with Kane. I was like, why are they talking? Even though I know they're, I didn't know they were in the simulator at the time. I knew they were in there playing it. I didn't think that the scene he was in it was actually, he was a part of it. Because don't you have to be wearing like a mask or something? Uh, no, I think the way, I think they did that kind of like they do the holodeck in like Star Trek or okay. whatever, where it's like everything appears around you. Okay. But, but. It's weird because they were on the ground, like, but in the thing they were walking around, and the holodeck works completely different. Where if wherever you're at and you're standing is where you're at in the, the game. Yeah. So like if he would have if he would have swung at him, he would have got him. You know, like in in in, in a holodeck situation. So. Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty funny. So I liked that scene, and then of course when they got the fucking horny teenagers or whatever the campers, and he's in there again, and they're like, "Wow, he's really good." <laughs> they're all cheering him on oh he's doing so great i i do have to say um i i did enjoy this quite a bit versus my initial and yeah. I, i'm just like i don't know i guess i've just got to the point where like I, i've got over the space thing and just enjoying it for what it is but i mean they they it's not it's 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 an entertaining movie so. it is it is an entertaining movie uh i was told that i was not allowed to like this i'm just kidding that's not how it was presented at all <laughs> i think it was a you're i'm gonna be surprised if you like it i mean it had its dumb moments but so has every other jason movie i've been watching that has irked me uh thoroughly though like again immediately i liked it because we got into the slashing right away it had some cool you know themes to it I think the storyline is decent enough to explain why the fuck he's there in the first place. It's also a better explanation of how he comes back. It's one thing that Jason Voorhees' regenerative abilities is through the roof. It's a whole other thing to be able to regenerate yourself and to have the nanites assist you. Yeah, and 
uh, throwing in the acting part of it, I didn't feel like anybody really dropped the ball too, uh, you know, too terribly bad in this movie. I mean, everybody served the character that they were supposed to be playing. So yeah, um, some of them cheaper than others, but hey, you know. I mean, the gr- the grunts are just. I mean, a lot of them are there just to be kills. I mean, and the two in the movie that had the most personality, which is Todd Farmer and then Brodsky's character. Uh, they they had enough personality to sell it. So, yeah. I mean, that's all that you really need, you know, from that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get the trivia for this movie? Yeah, I think, I think I'm ready for trivia. While this film was a critical and financial failure in its initial re- uh, release in theaters, it made more than triple the cost of production in DVD and post-theater sales. Statistically, it is one of the most successful Friday the 13th films when you figure in home video purchases and rentals. Holy shit. Uh, and again, I rented the movie, so I can yeah. do that. Uh, once again, just like Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, uh, New Line Cinema was unable to legally include Friday the 13th in the film's title as Paramount Pictures owned the trademark title. Okay. Uh, Jason, Jason Voorhees' eyes never blink when they're shown in the movie. Uh, that's something we already brought up in part seven, but that's uh, Kane Hodder's special that, you know, he contributes. Kane Hodder, did he fucking gain weight for this movie, or was it just the fucking gear they had on him that made him look like a fucking 10 by 10? Uh, it's it, it's a little bit of both, and his and the funny thing about his mask in this, I think I've got this in the the you know, the, the trivia here, uh, normally in the past movies, they would build like the prosthetic on his head and then they would put the mask over top of that. Mm-hmm. They built the, they built the mask at least, or, uh, at least the cybernetic Jason, uh, was built into the actual head so that it sat flush with his eyes. So it was way easier for him to see. Okay. You know? I like that. Uh, neither casting director Robin Cook nor director James Isaac initially wanted to do the virtual reality scene with the na- naked campers. Uh, Cook was so adamant that the scene was nothing but gratuitous nudity that she refused to cast the roles of the two topless girls, relegating those duties to her casting assistant, Andrea Cool. Uh, Isaac agreed that it was clearly just nudity for nudity's sake, and the only way he could personally justify it is if they had fun with it and poked uh, fun, including the naked teens in, in the uh, previous film, po- you know, include poking fun at them yeah the two actresses uh cool ended up casting uh kay pinafore and uh tanya morrow were very excited about doing the scene because this was the biggest film either of them ever appeared in yeah i mean <laughs> it's a it's it's a friday the 13th film i think that this i don't like when they have you to me useless sex i know it's like oh we gotta have sex with a slasher film i get it I'm not always the biggest fan of it, but I thought this was perfect because they had to lure Jason away for a time while they were figuring shit out. It made too much sense to have this scene. And he was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to fuck these kids up, you know? I thought the whole scene worked so good. And him looking around and he's like, why am I back at Crystal Lake? Fuck it. There's somebody here to kill. I'll just kill him, you know? It's so funny. Uh, at around one hour and 21 minutes, the music played during Jason's first look at the virtual reality Camp Crystal Lake is the same exact score that was used in part two. Oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. I didn't catch that. Uh, according to Noel Cunningham, the crew's children visited the set as to- as a tour. Uh, Kane Hodder was still in the frozen uh, Jason makeup and lay on the floor next to a life-size frozen Jason dummy. The crew and kids would enter the set that Kane was in and surrounded by the, the two Jasons, amazed how real they both looked. Kane would suddenly lunge at them, screaming, causing the kids to run in terror. Fuck yeah. That is, oh, that'd be the best day of my life. That'd be the best day of my kid's life. Because you know afterwards, like, Kane Hodder was totally cool to them. Like, oh, hey, autographs, you know? 
<laughs> want some cake pops off of the fucking table over there? I just think it's completely funny about the two, the differences between Robert England and Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder loves scaring people within the makeup. Robert England was always, you know, especially for the younger kids in the movie, was always like, you know, making sure that it's like, are you okay? You know, talking to him really nice. Yeah. And, and and it's the opposite of their characters because Jason doesn't really have a beautiful kid. Yeah. Uh, but but Freddie gross stuff with kids. We'll just leave it at that. So. Oh, and he's friendly to the children. It's starting to add up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what, though? I'm like, because we raised our kids, like, we love nothing more. To this day, we all do it to each other. We love nothing more than to hide around the corner and scare the fuck out of each other. They prank me. I prank them. It's mutual. My kids love to be scared. We pay good money to go get scared at houses whenever we can. So, I I have previously said when we were reviewing Nightmare on Elm Street that they would not, they would have been very confused by you know um, Freddy Krueger, uh, a very nice, yeah, <laughs> Robert England, yeah. They would have they would have loved to meet him. They would have loved to shake his hand and everything. But I think they would have left a little confused versus Kane Hodder. They would have ran, screamed, laughed, and then come back for more. <laughs> like, oh, we're we gonna keep playing this. You gonna chase us? You know. I think that would be fun. Yeah. I mean, now I don't know how I'd felt as a kid. I was I was kind of a weenie when it came to some of this stuff. Like there was certain movies in these series, both these series that I I just refused to watch just because they were a little much for me. That's but. fine. But think about if you were on the movie set, would you like if you got to meet any of these characters on a movie set? Do you think as a kid you would have liked that? I don't know because, wow, okay. like I said, I'm I'm. I, I'm, I'm desensitized now. I was now, when yeah. I was a kid. Oh, I was scared I, when I was a kid, but I still I, feel like I would have liked it. I had really bad nightmares after some some of these movies that we'll be watching next season. Okay. Season. Ooh, yeah, I don't... <laughs> Uh, screenwriter Todd Farmer based much of the film on Alien from 1979, even okay. named one of the characters who he also played Dallas after Tom Skerritt's character in the Ridley Scott film. Okay. Uh, at around 39 minutes, Brodsky mentions a gun while the soldiers were suiting up called the BFG. This sci-fi gun is well known to players of PC games Doom and Quake 2 as the most powerful weapon. BFG is an acronym for Bioforce Gun or Big Fucking Gun, as I always called it. I thought uh, it was a big fucking gun. <laughs> uh, Kane Hodder's final appearance, as we said, is Jason. Boo. Uh, New Line Cinema loved the script so much they gave the film three times the budget of the most expensive previous film in the series. However, during production, the budget was, was still not enough to create many of the sets and effects, leaving many scenes in the script to be changed or taken out completely. Damn. So there was another movie in this that they could have made, but they didn't have the money for. Okay. Once David Cronenberg came on board, he quickly noticed some problems with the script and began rewriting most of his characters' lines. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, David Cronenberg can write dialogue, so that's actually a pretty good thing. Uh, I mean, he, he makes some weird movies, but he's got some choice dialogue in movies. Uh, in early 1999, James uh, Isaac originally wanted the movie either as a Freddy vs. Jason or Friday the 13th movie to be set in a wintry camp, Crystal Lake, but New Line didn't want to do another Campers in the Woods Jason movie, so they could have just done like a Christmas time version of Jason is what this originally was pitched as. Mm, no I'm gonna go with immediately no I think that the Camp Crystal Lake thing is def was definitely getting played out too much I mean look I understand they kind of they bring it back like I get it no, we're not gonna worry about that right now we're gonna talk about this movie I, I was getting ready to say if they come back with a one set in the camp even if it's summertime it's gonna make 
so much money that it's going to make people's eyeballs explode that in their is heads. true but okay for the time we had already had nothing yeah, but at that. this point at this point it was played out it didn't yes. make sense but it was nice to put him back in that setting for a brief moment because you get what people do want. You People know Camp Crystal Lake. They know Jason Voorhees. They know they go hand in hand. So to be able to get this random movie that you're like, why is he fucking in space? And then it's like that one moment he's back to where he should be. It feels good almost. Yeah, it's like in Jason Goes to Hell where he's back. You yeah. know, it's that, it's that moment. Uh, during Jason X's development process, director James Isaac, producer Noel Cunningham, who is Sean's son, and screenwriter Todd Farmer kicked around any scenario they could think of. Typically, Jason and insert blank, the hood, snow, New York City again, underwater, the Arctic, in L.A., fighting gangs on safari. <laughs> Man, can you imagine that? He's in, like, Africa. That wouldn't go over well. No. I'm saying. Uh, they even considered something involving the NASCAR circuit. I'm so glad they did. Like, stop. Todd Jason, Farmer. now, hear me out. Jason at the ballet. <laughs> Jason at the DMV. Now that's oh, a scary situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Farmer suggested in space because he knew Freddy versus Jason was on the way, and it'd be best if Jason X was set in the future without uh, affecting events leading okay. up to Freddy versus Jason. That makes sense now because I was mad there was a movie in between, <laughs> you know, uh, nine and of course Jason versus uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, uh, so they needed to jump to the future, but it was intended for a futuristic city to be involved in the movie, but that was too expensive, so they had to cut it back to space. Him in a futuristic city would have been a pretty cool That would have been cool, yeah. Uh, they were a little scared of doing a horror sequel in space, uh, i.e. Hellraiser, Leprechaun, and Critters. And the funny thing about Critters is, and I'm going to throw this out there, I know this is a tangent, Critters is about space aliens, so you would think that Critters yeah. in space is just natural. yeah. It's not, it's, Critters is so much better when it's set in Grover's End. Like, okay. it's, when it's on Earth, it's just, so, like, I, and I don't understand it. I don't know how you can fuck up space aliens going back to space, but somehow, and it's not the worst movie ever, but Critters th- 4 in space is not that good, so. Yeah. Uh, but they thought it'd be fun to do a mashup of Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron Aliens, but uh, not one with uh, two strong Ripley-type females on a ship about, uh, badass space marines being hunted by Jason instead of Xenomorphs. So it's kind of what they got. They got uh, Rowan as kind of a you know tough you know woman. They got uh, KM fourteen tough woman, and then they got you know the Xenomorph, which is Jason. So that's kind of what they shot for. Yeah, and it delivers. I mean, it works. Uh, it is probably the best in space movie of all the ones that the other franchises went to. I'm just I would have there. to agree at this point. Uh, although the movie was shot on 35mm film, it was then transferred to high-definition video to aid in the creation of its extensive and elaborate visual effects shots. This made the first feature-length uh, film to ever be completed entirely in the digital realm. Wow. Very first digital movie. Uh, Uber Jason, along with the Grendel map, was going to be added to the Friday the 13th game, but due to a lawsuit regarding Victor Miller and Gun Media, all future updates except bug fixes have been canceled. It is unknown whether they'll add this once the lawsuit is finalized. And this is a good thing to point out the reason we have not had a friday the 13th movie since the remake is because of the lawsuit between vic miller and sean cunningham they each own parts of the rights <gasps> to the to the movie yeah and they don't like each other so Ooh. neither one of them is willing to work with the other okay but okay so but they're not working with each have, other oh god 
that they have recently sorted out some stuff though. So okay. it is very it is very much handed that once these rider which the rider strikes over once the uh, screen Actors Guild, or I mean the, sc- the Screen Actors Guild, uh, finally gets off their ass and they negotiate and get the stuff through and they start making movies again. It's it's hinted that there's going to be another that that finally they'll move ahead with a new Friday the Thirteenth movie. Because I was going to say it's gonna it is more lucrative for them both if they figure it out and work together. I think there's still going to be a struggle, but whatever. That's neither here nor there at this point. Okay, so maybe something's being worked out. If nothing was being worked out, one being able to sell their ideas versus the other to my to me would be the ultimate fuck you. It's like, "Oh, you're not getting paid cuz you're not, you know, selling your portion of what you own. I'm going to sell my portion of what I own." Or do they have to sell it together because Well, here's here's the thing. I think that Camp Crystal Lake and Pamela Voorhees belong to Sean Cunningham. Okay. Jason Voorhees belongs to Vic Miller. Oh, who do so you they th- have to. Who work. do you think's got the most important of the two? You know things. Yeah, because we we're finding. I mean, we are finding that you don't have to be in Camp Crystal Lake, and you don't have to have the Friday the Thirteenth name either. You don't know. Yeah, Jason is a he's a compelling thing in itself, entity in itself. You yeah, don't need so nothing. We could have Jason and, at the ballet. And Vic Miller is the it's been the holdout because uh, you know, and and they've even talked about if they can't do anything else, Paramount Plus is talking about having a Camp Crystal Lake series which is going to be a throwback to the very first movie, somehow bring Alice back, ignoring the part two and, and beyond where she's dead. And uh, Adrian King has said she will come back for the part, okay. and it'd be focused on Pamela uh, going after a new set of campers. I don't like that idea. Nobody wants Pamela Voorhees back. No. They want, we want Jason because he's a very special special boy. Yeah, our special special boy. And not only that, nobody even wanted Pamela Voorhees in the first film. That's just what they got. And then it sparked a great fucking film franchise. Uh, yeah, so that that's why we're at where we're at with it. So, uh, In Andromeda in 2000, Lexa Doig uh, played the avatar of the ship's artificial intelligence and Lisa Ryder played a crew member. In the movie, Ryder is an AI construct and Doig joins the crew. So that's they hella funny. Roles in the movie. I'm glad you pronounce it properly, Andromeda, because I'm like Andromeda. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I I might be mispronouncing Doig. I don't know if that's how she says it or not, but that's how it looks. That's what I'm going with. It's either Doig or Doig or. (laughs) Doig. Doig. (laughs) Just Doig. Uh, in early 2000, the film was set to begin production by April, but Michael uh, DeLuca didn't want a random Friday film because it would be detrimental to Freddy versus Jason. DeLuca then hired Mark uh, Petrovich uh, to write a script within four weeks. His script went for more psychological and intellectual take on the crossover that still embraces the original movie's tone. New Line mostly liked it enough to begin pre-production behind Cunningham's back while he was trying to develop Jason X. Uh, Robert England even dropped out of a promising European film. Now, this is all for a proposed Freddy versus Jason, mind you, that never happened. But Robert England was filming a promising European film. He dropped out of it to rush back to the United States for a makeup test for this movie that he he actually loved the idea of way more than what the Freddy versus Jason we got. Yeah. And but the movie produ- began production in March 2000 in, in Canada after uh, Petrovich um, put in his time. 
uh, his endeavor didn't dissuade Cunningham from proceeding with Jason in a space movie, wanting Jason in space its own franchise, and the studio felt the script. Uh, uh, that uh, they needed a few more uh, tweaks as production would go forward. So the team uh, film was put on the back burner and agreed Jason X to be released first. And then England got very frustrated when he heard the movie was being pushed back. And then later in the commentary uh, for Freddie versus Jason, when discussing the film's development, uh, he mentioned briefly that the Petrovich script uh, was the, the right one of the two that they should have went with it. But, We'll get to it. I yeah. actually enjoy Freddy versus Jason for what it is, but I agree. The, but what you're the, telling me is that we could have had Freddy and Kane Hodder, Robert England and Kane Hodder, if this had happened. Yes. Oh, dude, I would have. I Here, am going off and saying I'd rather have seen that. Here's what they were proposing. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I have it in here or not, but basically it's a, it's a weird setup for the Freddy versus Jason. Jason is a character in movie in the Friday the 13th movies. So it's very meta. Uh, the actor who plays Jason, uh, I guess Kane Hodder in this case mm-hmm. is on trial, uh, for some reason. Um, and, um, his and the final girl in the movie ends up being his defense lawyer. Uh, Freddie and, and Freddie, in order to get like you know, re, you know, reclaim more victims, uh, uses the or tries to uh, use the 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 main the Jason ca- actor to like somehow branch into the real world, aka uh, New Nightmare, and start beginning his kills. And it's you know, and so it plays a lot into that, you know. I kind of like the version that they did better, even okay. if it didn't have hotter. I agree with you on that because I know you cannot have Jason on trial. He's not going to be able to defend himself. And how the fuck is it? I think, I think what they said was that he was a serial killer or something like that. And they based the movies off of him, but he's not like a, he he's not undead. It was like, you know, they, they made all that stuff up about him and blah, blah, blah. So it was like a more realistic take on him and then they were, and then Freddie or was actually using that to build breaking the real world. That's I think is what they said they were okay. going to do. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have to unsubscribe from this negativity. Uh, the scene where Jason snaps Vin's neck was originally a much quicker snap in the script, and if you remember in the movie, he really twists on that, mm-hmm. and you can hear more bones popping. Uh, Kane Hodder felt it has been overly done the quick snap, so he improvised the kill by having Jason slowly break the neck until you hear a crunching sound as he's twisting and, and squeezing. I agree. I think that was yeah. way more effective. It was. Kane, it, it really Kane knows out. his his art. He knows, you know, uh, he almost. And I don't, I haven't looked to see, has he ever directed? Because he almost needs to be a director in horror films. I think he's been involved in like the production and stuff, like especially of the Victor Crowley movies. Okay, that makes sense. He has, he wants things done a certain way and he, now he used to be the doer. Now he needs to be the director. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think he actually, him and, uh, uh, God, I can't remember his name. There's another guy that he, he teams up with who I think was Leatherface in one of the in Leatherface three. And uh the two and they were both in Hatchet together. But the two of them I think actually uh worked together to like train stuntmen for like movies like this. So Yeah. Uh, the movie wrapped in April 2000. It was not released until April 26, 2002, uh, because after years of controversy on set and a string of huge box office failures, including Little Nicky and 13 Days, New Line's president of production, Michael DeLuca, was finally fired in January 2001. 
while he fought to get Freddy versus Jason May before Jason X, he was the only person at the studio who believed in Jason X and his replacements didn't know what to do with it. So they let it sit on the shelf for two years. Uh, the movie was briefly considered for direct video release has put it out in theaters. Unfortunately, the movie leaked online, meaning the time by the time it hit theaters, the hardcore fans had long since had the chance to see it already. Uh, albeit illegally. That also probably kept it from making any money. Okay. Because anybody who wanted to see it, had already saw it. That makes sense. Uh, Uber Jason doesn't have a face under his mask. Like I said, Kane Hodder just had contacts to, to put in his eyes and the face actually sat flush with his face. Uh, so it was easier for him to kind of see through it. So, okay. uh, the character Waylander is, is sometimes referred to as Wayland. This is a reference to the alien movie as the company in that series is Wayland Utani. Okay. Spelled slightly different. Uh, David Cronenberg's cameo was done as a favor to his former protege, Jim Isaac, uh, director of Jason X, for loaning his Canadian-based production crew to him. In exchange, he wanted to be killed on screen. I love it. Uh, the virtual lady simulation scene, including the third act as a distraction for Jason, was originally meant to be a much more detailed uh, scene, including a number of topless women playing volleyball. Uh, one idea even included the appearance of Pamela Voorhees, Jason's mother, and even went so far as to have Jason attack her, showing the extent of just how evil he had become. Uh, the later idea was uh, regretful, regretfully dropped when uh, Betsy Palmer yet again turned on the role because they didn't give her enough money. Okay. Um, I don't know about him attacking his mother. I feel like that that's outside of his character. I mean, yeah. if they were trying to show that he'd gotten to the point where he was too evil at that point, then maybe, but it still doesn't feel right for him. Yeah. Like he's a mama's boy. It's weird. You know, big old mama's boy. Uh, at around 38 minutes in the scene where Dallas is smashing its wall by Jason, the stunt man who did this actually broke his nose. <gasps> oh shit. Uh, Jason being blasted to pieces by KM 14 and reanimating in the Uber Jason through nanotechnology was meant to be a plot twist revealed in the third act. However, all of the marketing and trailers spoiled this fact even before the movie came out because the fucking poster for the movie had Uber Jason on it. Yeah, I mean, which is, Uber Jason is super cool, but I feel like you need to earn the opportunity to see that. You That should not have been given away for free. Keep your goodies in a jar. They, they'd probably been better off if they'd had a poster of, like, Jason, like how he is at the beginning of the movie, standing there, and, like, a, you know, like a starry night sky and, like, you know, maybe like a, you know, like a spaceship up there or something. That would have probably worked out better and not revealing that plot twist. Maybe have multiple posters with Jason in real life, Jason Frozen, and then maybe just the silhouette of Jason of you know nano jason or not is it Nan uber jason sorry uber jason yeah. and you're like what the fuck is this you don't get to see because you know how they do that where they have different versions of movie posters and you get kind of like different scenes and in one of them yes maybe in the silhouette you have the spaceship in the background you know that it, any of that would have been fine if they didn't want to reveal it but they they had uber jason on yeah prime display they thought oh this is so cool looking we got to put this out there and it's like you dumb motherfuckers you are giving away one of the best kept what should have been a best kept secret <laughs> uh yeah because it's the best twist in the movie like I, I do remember everybody talking about uber jason that even the people who didn't necessarily like it back in the day they were like okay uber jason's pretty fucking cool like yeah he is uh, all right, Death Holler Awards, Final Girl. What do we think about Rowan LaFontaine? Now, technically, she has KM14 with her at the end, or just KM14's yeah. head, as it were. And uh, Sunarin is with her. But Sunarin's just kind of there. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, first of all, Rowan gets the hot pass. Yeah. So there's that. But 
she actually tries stuff in the movie. So I think she earns she earns the title of final girl, even if she's not maybe the best final girl. Um, well, you did say she had her mama bear moments. Oh gosh, she's so hot too. She's smart. Um, she wants to live. Yeah, and she's trying to save the kids. I mean, like, you know, that's where the mama bear energy comes from. She's trying to get everybody off the ship, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I like her. I dig her, and I'm glad she survived. I liked her from the beginning of the the moment. She really gets a hot pass from me, but she doesn't because she she's a good actress in the film. She's not just, and she's not like insanely hot. She's just like naturally good looking. Like she didn't have to put anything. She didn't have to show anything. You know, she didn't have to admit. I mean, she probably had makeup on. You know how that is, where they can put makeup on, but it looks like they don't have makeup. Yeah. But, she pulled off the not makeup but hot look. If yeah, you understand what I'm she saying. She really did. And then she was she thought more logically in the film than a lot of the people did. I know they're students, I know they're allegedly kids, but they're also college kids because this is new Harvard. And well, and not only that, but these were supposed to be like the top of New Harvard. That's yeah. why they went on the field trip. They were supposed to be like the Elon Musk of their generation. Which is great, but they're clearly not. I feel like they just got in because they're hot passes and one of them is clearly doing shit to her teacher to fucking get a good grade. Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't mention the dominatrix chick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That that whole scene. I mean, if he wasn't scummy enough, but whenever he's in there and she's like, uh, she's like, you've been a bad boy, haven't you? And she's like pinching his nipples and all that. It's like, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, she, is, she, she's, she is a good final girl. Uh, and that's something else. Rowan stands out as hot, even with like those those hotties in the you know the yeah. students. She's hotter than them, one hundred percent. It's it's uh, like Naomi Watts in the ring, yes, like the American ring. It's like okay, you've got these teenage girls who're supposed to be the hotties, but she's such a smoke show that they all look bad by yeah. comparison. Um, but yeah, and actually I'll say this about her too. This is a ringing praise for me. I wanted to see a sequel with her as the lead. Yeah, but I don't think anybody in the terms of the Friday the 13th franchise, I don't think we should be bringing people back. Uh, Tommy, I know we brought back Tommy Jarvis, but even he, oh, he's only been in what? Two? Oh no, three technically. Three, even though it's played by three different actors yeah. in all of them. So, um, um you know... <laughs> Why we did, I don't know. Tommy Jarvis, he is something. And yeah, technically we could, but I don't know that. Well, here's, here's my proposal. You okay. take Jason X, you mm-hmm. send it. It's, you saw him land. He was a shooting star, Jason, at the end of it, in the earth two. And he was crash landing into a lake that looked suspiciously like a new version of Camp Crystal Lake. And you had some campers there. It looked like they were straight from, you know, the eight, 19, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, that's already setting up, you know, the potential for Uber Jason to be wrecking up shit in like this new world. Uh, have Rowan be the one person to come back and try to, uh, you know, like contend with him, like, you know, go that route of, I mean, you didn't continue with Tina, but continue with Rowan. Like, yeah. I feel like she's smart enough. She could figure out some sciencey stuff, uh, even in the future to be able to maybe, you know, put him on ice in other words, yeah. but, you know, but she has what it takes. Know. Shut up. Uh, what do we think about Uber Jason? I mean, you thought he was a tank before. He's literally a tank now. 
he's he's a badass. Yeah, so let's do it. I mean, like uh, the, the way that Kane Hodder moves in terms of in Jason, it this now he looks like he's struggling more because it, that the the gear that he has on looks heavy, but he also still makes it look easy. Yeah, and he really, I mean, he's very menacing when he moves. Oh yeah, I mean, he just is. Uh, more than Ken Kurzinger is in the next movie. He uh, really is. It's very unfortunate for Ken, and there's another thing I don't like that's not Ken's fault in the next film. We'll discuss that when we get there, but, yeah, there, there's certain things. I think that if Kane Hodder had continued, he would have been like, nope, we're not going to do this. You know, the only thing Ken uh, he Ken had size, but he had, like, three more inches of height than... You know, Jason Voorhees, and I don't know if that's what they were going for. He wasn't a terrible Jason. I'm not going to shit on him. I'm just saying, Kane Hodder is Jason Voorhees. And, well, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's he he's a fan favorite for a reason. Yeah. I mean, he just is. And no shit on C.J. Graham either. Um, I think C.J. Graham we, was we, great. We didn't get to see enough of C.J. after the, yeah. third, the part six to really say one way or the other for him. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, uh, I was at a casino last night. You know C.J. Graham is like the fucking manager of that casino? I had no idea. Yeah, uh, Thunder Valley Casino out here. It's not in Sacramento, but I I'm, I'm live near that. But it's in Lincoln, California which is not far from me. And CJ Graham fucking, I don't think he owns it, but I feel like he's some kind of general manager or something. Uh, we got to throw out, I mean, if we're going to throw out these names, Ted White was a pretty, was a damn good Jason too. It's just that he was only in one movie as well. Yeah. So you can't really say much. Yeah. Uh, uh, best kill. I got to go with the face frozen and smashed apart. Oh, that's my that favorite. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. And I was kind of sad cause she seemed the more, she seemed more like uh, Rowan. She seemed she she had a job to do. She wanted to take it serious. She's like, get the fuck out of here! If you guys are gonna be dicking around, uh, she wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't being a whore. So it was kind of sucked that she died, but at the same time, her death was amazing. And she was another one of those hotties without being, you know, like Uber made up too. Yes. Like, I mean, so it was like, yeah, like it. You you feel feel it whenever she gets taken out versus some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, the sleeping bag kills, of course, the virtual yes. girls have to be called out. But I still think in part seven, the the, the sleeping bag hoe in that one is better just because we know it's, it's quote-unquote real versus this yes. one, which is, you know, a video game. Wow, he's good. Uh, <laughs> he's done this a time or two. <laughs> uh, best scream, uh, Adrian or Kinsa? Um, I, I want to go with Adrian just to give her a little bit more due. Yeah. Though. I mean, and then best boobs, uh, KM14's fake ones. I didn't like them. But the virtual girls fake ones, yeah. Their choice, the fake you take it, yeah. Uh, best side character to me, KM14, yeah, because she's an android. I'll, I'll give, her, give that. her that. Uh, Franklin Award goes to Kensa. I mean, yeah, really, fucking, you gotta, you all you do is whine through most of the movie, cry, lock yourself in there, doom everybody else to hell, and then you know, or yeah. to the hell of Jason, and then you blow your fucking self up. You're useless. Uh, how annoying is the room, uh, Doom Prophet? It's Rowan because she's the only one that knows the threat of Jace. Yeah, but, but she's not she's, annoying. She's not annoying and she's a hottie, so she gets yeah. hot pass. She gets she's, a hot pass. She's the opposite of a annoying Doom Prophet. I want that Doom Prophet. Yes. And, you know, around. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Can I fight off Jason? Oh, God. Doo -doo -doo. Uh, dumbest moment again. Cancel lock yourself in that oh, show. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, it, it probably tops. I mean, 
it, it tops Tommy Jarvis bringing Jason back from the dead with the you know cemetery pole or whatever. So that says something. I mean, because that's a pretty fucking dumb move on Tommy's behalf. But uh, this is uh, this is up there to me as one of the worst. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on this, and you know we'll finish it up for now, and then come back and pick up for the final two films. Uh, I watching it again, I enjoyed this way more than I used to, and it's I of the uh, definitely of the in space movies it's the best yes um i uh, i enjoyed the film uh i know you were like i'm gonna be surprised if you like this i i am also surprised that i like this <laughs> uh i was i was gonna be really surprised if you like jason goes to hell because like i said universally like the upon first watch people are like where's jason what the fuck are you doing in this movie but yeah i did uh, kind of one- like it though you know yeah, but this one, I mean, you had, like you said, you had action all the way through. So I thought that might sway you. Yes. You know, a little um, bit. So. I am pretty sure the Hubs does not like this one. He was like, that was fucking horrible. I think he just cannot get over the fact of Jason in space. And it's like, you know, it's not like it. Okay, like we even have, we're not like, we're in space. Yeah, I get it as a society, but like not to this level where we live in space. It's just a movie that kind of is like, okay, but what if, you know? Well, it takes Jason away from his his roots, and a lot of people didn't like. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was I was probably right there with Noah whenever I mean upon first watch of this. Like, I locked it away after it was done. I'm like, okay, I, that was a movie. I saw it. I don't really. There's a few good parts to it, but I don't really want to go back and watch it. And watching it again, uh, a few years removed, I, I'm one of those people. I'm just like I. I mean, and you know that's that's not a bad thing when you come back and revisit a movie and you don't and you actually uh, are able to appreciate it better than the first time. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's where I'm at with it. I'm at my. This is my first time, and I've already appreciated it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, join us for the last two movies. With that, peace be with you and with your spirit. <laughs>